0: Hey, Superhouse listeners! This is episode sixty, and we're talking to Emmy Award-winning Chuck Patton. He's done the Spawn animated series and some other cool
1: shit.
2: Man, I got to thank you for coming on. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, yeah. <laughs> and thank you for walking me through this. I am a bit of a dinosaur, or no, that's not I'm a retired, at all. as my friends call me. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> it's no problem at all. Um, so yeah um i told the other guys well, we met at pasadena comic-con and <laughs> we talked for a good 30 minutes probably
1: at your booth was it that long <laughs> it was it was a bit it was a bit was, That was, was fun so i, I honestly i was like you know when you're having fun you don't care about how long it takes you know, Yeah. How long yeah. It's been. so i was enjoying it so right,
2: right. Yeah. yeah it was great we were talking about x-men and all kinds of stuff oh uh, yeah the, the brunt of it was mainly x-men i think but um mm. We're all huge X-Men fans here, and, and all the guys, we've been all geeking out over your uh, your IMDB and um, all your credentials. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, anyway, just to kind of get things started, we were just wondering if you could just kind of introduce yourself, um, who you are and what you've done and what you're working on now.
1: Take a little swig of water. This is real water, believe it okay. or not. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm Chuck Patton. I am an ex DC comic book artist, and um, uh, and I. I always cringe when I say this, but I'm told I should. Emmy Award winning animation director. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no, you it, should I, say I,
1: that. It's, it's a good thing commentary. to say.
3: It, 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 uh-huh. it is,
1: but it's a joke between me and the, my friend who won Emmys. Uh, every time we get into this little argument with somebody, we go, hey, we're Emmy Award winners, damn it. You know? And yeah. this people up. I should. I should. It's like, you know, never leave what you're right <laughs> 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 or something like that. I can't remember. That's why I get beat up. But um, <laughs> anyway, yo. Know, um, I used to draw for DC Comics. I was the uh, uh, artist on Justice League, um, the co-creator of the, Detroit, the infamous Detroit JLA, um, which has taken me a good twenty years to accept. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was also the artist on Teen Titans for a while, as a very short while. Which I, uh, but I got to do a significant moment in Cyborg's life, so I feel like he's. Part of my my little uh, uh, 2D family, That's cool. Uh, cool. as well as um, and I've just interviewed finished an interview for back issue magazine over my contribution in the vigilante's origin okay. uh, that Marvin mm-hmm. uh, George and I always put Keith Pollard in there because Keith Pollard was the guy who got me started uh, gave me my my first um, directions on on uh, on becoming a comic artist so I always uh, like to thank him um, so. Uh, as far as my Emmy award-winning credentials, I was a director on the second season of Spawn, the animated series. Yes, yeah. Um, cool. Which uh, I really enjoyed. Um, still stands up to the day as one of the mm-hmm. most you know, um, adult animated things ever put on television. Um, as well as I've worked on um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I revived that in 2003. Okay. Um, a lot of the harder edge turtle stuff you see I brought into <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> those are great years man. I, love you, that. man I love that turtle so much <laughs> thank you and my contributions with X- X-Men it's funny we were talking about X-Men and, and I have I don't have as much history with X-Men as people think I mean I had a couple of significant moments um, one ended very ugly, which I probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> Wait, I think I
2: think you should talk about that. What's going on with
1: that? <laughs> we should talk about that. No.
0: Yeah. We, well, we don't want to get you in trouble now, so...
1: Well, you know, it's like, you know, those who know me know that, oh, geez, you stepped in it again, you know? So it's like, yeah, I can't help <laughs> um, it. I had started on my... I didn't do the first X-Men cartoon series, but I worked on X-Men Ev- Evolution very Briefly, that was a brilliant show, amazing show. Yeah, yeah. and um, I, I like to think, in a lot of ways, it really was probably um, um, the true X-Men show that everybody wanted because the original one—I mean, in, in terms of of, of look and story—it um, was brilliant down the line. And I was asked later to uh, develop Wolverine and the X-Men as a TV series. And uh, a lot of politics with that, and I'll leave it at that. It was a lot of bad politics. (laughs) It took me a year of development to try to get it off the ground. The one thing I, I would say that survived my time with it was the look. I wanted a more longer um, stretched anime type look for them, mm-hmm. um, edgier look. That was right. that was my point, was not to make it anime, but to bring it. I always try to bring an American anime sensibility. Right. Uh, and, and look, we can't do what, 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 what Asia can do. But we do <laughs> know our superheroes and we do know action. So we try to mend and, and meld a combination of it. And that's what I like to think that Wolverine and the X-Men did. Um, Again, uh, beyond that, that's as far as I'll say. It was very political. Oh, a man. lot of people involved. A lot of, uh, a lot of expectations that, like I said, took about a year. And by the time they got on the air, I was off the show. But mm-hmm. a, lot wow. of, like, a lot of the people on it um, that I brought on stayed, and that was good. And, again, the look survived. And I, I'm sort of like the, I guess, the, uh, the unacknowledged godfather of that show. But that's, that's, so, that's awesome. So that's my time yeah. in Wolverine. I, I'm really tough. I mean, it was one particular episode we we're going to do where we, we we're going to do our version of Wolverine versus Hulk that I oh, was going to reserve God, for myself oh, to, to man. board. And um, by that time was when, um, we came to a riff <laughs> and oh. I was, and I was off yeah. the show, which is too bad. I was, I really wanted to do that one. The story was brilliant. It was really hardcore. Um, Marvel was wonderful uh, to work with. It was the principles I was involved with because it wasn't a Marvel show. Most people don't realize that. Oh, wow. Marvel had given it a nod and sort of allowed them to have license of the characters, but it wasn't a Marvel animated show or associated, you know, it wasn't through them, and I think that was the major problem.
4: It was through it was Fox. Fox? Oh, go ahead, Joey. No, go for it was, it. For was it
1: through Fox? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. It was through an independent. I mean, it, oh, okay. it, that was the sad thing. I think if it was I think if it was any heavy hitters on it, the show would still be around. <laughs> so I think, yeah, in other mm-hmm. words, if it was... I mean, one of the producers was telling me how he was friends with Hugh Jackman, and I was like, well, can we get Hugh to just say <laughs> hi? You know, I knew there was no way in hell we are going to get him to do the voice. But I just wanted... because Jackman has been famous, mm-hmm. as you know, up until Logan. Um, has been a huge supporter of not only X-Men of course but to Wolverine. I mean he is very thankful to the Wolverine fans and very thankful and he's I mean, he's very um open about hey he wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for the X-Men movie. He wouldn't yeah. you know if he wasn't picked as Wolverine. And, and honestly best damn casting choice they ever made. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Know?
3: Yeah. He really yeah sells you know, that
1: whole franchise it, right at the beginning. It's amazing how you can go from a character that's supposed to be five foot two and hairy <laughs> you know, yeah. looked like a cross between Charles Bronson and, and yeah. yes, somebody wanted Char- uh, uh, um, Bob Hoskins to play him, oh <laughs> and love I love Bob Hoskins, I remember but, <laughs> but it had to be Bob Hoskins from thirty years ago yeah, to be like, yeah, Maybe right? the right, Bob right, years right. Ago play. from the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, well, yeah, even then, I mean, Bob. Age, I could. No, go for it. Say it. At that age, he was, you know, he was, you know, I mean, Bob. I ran a Bob once in the borders, and his presence, I mean, he got you. He was just a tough little guy, uh-huh. sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he couldn't move like you, Jackman. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's no way, you know? so, so it's like, okay, if Bob had a great stud guy, sure. You know? But but Jackman come, came in and just made it his own. And we yeah. now, you know, he is synonymous with the Wolverine. And when I was doing the show, I mean, as much as I maintained i wanted that i mean to my mind um the burn error of uh of x-men with wolverine was my that was my wolverine and um i wanted that sort of ferocity that short bad guy you know toughness mm-hmm. but i also again in the back of my mind uh i i kept you know always keeping in my house Hugh Jacks jackman essay the row was great so mm-hmm. um but that, again, that was that. That's my that's my one. <laughs> I think that's a regret that I, I'll probably take to my grave that you know I couldn't complete that show. So
2: <laughs> that's cool. And it was was it your idea. One. Was it was it your idea? Oh, to, I got a new um, one. <laughs> put a, uh, nice. You put a trench coat on Cyclops as well, right?
1: Yeah, that's what we were talking about. It. Yeah, because I was telling yeah. you what the influences. It's funny because uh, I just saw Logan uh, last week, and, yeah. um, and and as much as I'm, I I'd be honest, I'm not a big fan of James. Uh, Mango. Ma- mango, mm-hmm. yeah. Mangled. Um I gotta. I do acknowledge and love his influences, and we both are big fans of the western. I mean, it's right. not like I'm a big. I mean, he's obviously a big shot, and he's done several movies. But I'm I'm a aficionado of the western. And if you put, if you can bring any kind of a western theme to something, I, I'm a sucker for it, man. I'm with you. Right. I'm gonna follow. <laughs> if you do it right, I'm gonna follow. If you do it wrong, I'm your enemy for life. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, watching Logan Jonah and Hex. knowing, oh yeah, Jonah Hex piece of crap. You know, it's sad, <laughs> it's sad because it's like. It, to make a great Western, I mean, I um, those who know me know, I can name you 50 great Westerns. Some you may yeah. not have never heard of, from yeah. actors you may not have heard of or even thought of, other than John Wayne. Seriously, there there's so many great, the, the, the idea of what a Western can make. Um, there's psychological Westerns, there are noir Westerns, there are, and beyond that, the weird Westerns, which are not, not that many. So, but bottom line is they have to work on the same principles of how a Western works. So um, my going into Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, even if you saw the poses, you would see that there was a, I mean, there was, I wanted them to feel like gunslingers. Without guns. Right. Oh, so okay, even yeah, in the okay, pose okay. of Wolverine, I got him thinking. Because in my mind, again, visually, as much as I saw Hugh Jackman, I also thought, oh, man, if we had Charles Bronson Circle in 1965 playing him, that would have <laughs> been perfect. Because <laughs> you know? I, was, I was a big Bronson fan. And so I wanted yeah. that attitude, me and, the, uh, and my chief character designer. We have these discussions. So it's like, all right, when we propose him, I want him to feel that that sort of ready to go for the draw look. I want him to look tough. And so we, you know, he took off from there. He was he was wonderful. When we got to Cyclops, that's where it's like, all right, cool. Now we get to break the mode. Um, nice. I didn't, you know, everybody stuck with the idea of the Jim Lee X-Men uh, Cyclops with the straps, and uh, I never liked that. Um, my prime again. It's like, dude, he's a living weapon. What does he need pouches for? <laughs> you know, yeah. so if, if he's gonna pull out a bad phone or a battery, I'm with you on that. Sure, a Cyclops yes. ring, you know, But you know, the man is a living weapon, and to my mind, also one of the most powerful mutants in the world that everybody sort of looks on and goes, oh, he's weak. He goes, no, man, this guy is scary. You know, he blinks, he blows you up. Right. So I wanted, and also the fact that he's not the leader of the X-Men at this point, and I wanted him to, I wanted their roles to reverse, because Wolverine is sort of, if you watch the show, he was chosen by uh, a future Professor X to pick up, the reigns of the X-Men. It's another one of those days of future past things where uh, X goes back in time and realizes, oh, we made a mistake of you know letting Cyclops lead. We re- we're at war. We need Wolverine. <laughs> so <it> basically <laughs> that's what the premise of the series was. And But Wolverine realized that he still needed Cyclops because as much as he's playing Warlord and bringing his kids together, um, he also is not much of a strategist so he still <laughs> needed cyclops but the twist in the story is cyclops has become kind of like wolverine he's the loner now he's broken he's he's on his own and i wanted that uh, i i went to sergio leone and went okay iconically you know sergio leone was the guy who brought fashion to me he's the guy who brought fashion to westerns mm-hmm. Eastwood in his poncho you know uh, the duster coats and once upon a time in the west And that's why i went bingo cyclops is wearing a duster He's wearing yeah. a duster because, yeah. one, he, if you, it, the, the penultimate, or at least the ultimate Cyclops that I enjoy has always been from the Neil Adams era, uh, even as far back as Kirby, where he's in that simple black suit.
3: Okay. You know, Because right, it's, right.
1: it's him, and, and that eye is going to stand out. And, of course, if you're Cyclops, you just can't... I mean, him running around in, in leotards and saying, yes, I'm a superhero. But when you're not a superhero anymore and you just want to be left the f alone, uh-huh. <laughs> you're going to hide in plain sight. You want to, you're going to cover yourself, and that's why I came up with the idea of the duster coat. It would hide who he is, and that black costume would be almost invisible inside the coat. So in a way, we really wanted, we found a way to kind of bring this edgy, shadowy version of Cyclops, this dark ego, and put it out there and say, this is not a guy you want to mess with, because when he flings the coat out, just like when Eastwood flings the his uh his, his, his um serap out, that's when the blasting starts. And that was what I wanted. I wanted when he his coat opened, that's when he blasted blasted you. We never got that action in the show because by that time I was kicked off, but that was my thinking huh. in it. That was how we we're gonna play him when he fought Wolverine, because Wolverine realized it's gonna be a tough love moment. And he finds him in his seedy hotel. And he's literally living living off the street kind of and so when he does talk to him back and he puts the coat on, he looks at him and goes, interesting. You know, because he, <laughs> he knows, it's like, oh, so you've been riding to my territory now. And, and it also let him come into the group. And, and again, the roles reversed where I wanted Cyclops to be not only respected but feared. I want him to be literally this, uh, uh, this sort of unknown quantity. We always thought of Cyclops as Mr. Happy, or if not Mr. Happy, Mr. Mr. Empathy, and I wanted all that gone. I just wanted him to be the living weapon um, of the group. Uh, more than just blasting, but the idea that when he told them something to do, it was pretty much the best thing to do, probably the nastiest thing to do. And that was my vision on the show. That's where I really wanted to kind of keep this, that kind of dynamic going, that he would be, I mean, like, not only the roles reverse, but there are times when he would have that leadership thrust on him and he would immediately reject it because it broke him. Uh he felt he failed. And I love the idea of broken but strong characters. Um because in their in their being vulnerable is their greatest strength. Weird, right. I know. I mean, <laughs> but, no, that's
3: that's that's interesting. So, yeah. So sure.
1: that was the that was the psychology. When I go into a show, that's very important for us to know this backstory before pencils hit paper. Um, With every show I've done, um, even with Turtles, Um, when I did Turtles and I was told, the first question out of my mouth was, um, can I get rid of the Cowabunga piece of (laughs) crap? And they were like, well, can we play it down? It goes, yeah, I want to, okay, I'll go that far. I just want to put, in fact, we made it a running joke that whenever the only one who would say Cowabunga and mention pizza would be Mikey and Raph would be always behind him going, Hey, we don't do that no more. You know, <laughs> you know? Rap was always called, No, no, we don't. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're serious. Because I told him well, I'm bringing the ninja back to ten t, t, uh, to the Ninja Turtles. Right. I played up. I said, this is gonna be that 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 American ninja crap. This is gonna be Shokasigi. Now, in fact, no, it's not even gonna be Shokasigi. I was throwing names at him. they were like looking at me like, "Whoa, well, was, yeah. like, no, this is gonna be Sunny Chiba. We're doing Sunny Damn Chiba ninjas. Right, right. Now, man. Yeah, well, that was the two the 2003 um, Ninja Turtle series from four kids okay. um, when we revived them. I mean, it was. Um, I'm I'm very proud of that show because I see the new one now and it's very nice, very beautifully done. Mm-hmm. But they're just playing up riffs that we did that we set up, which I'm oh, glad. I mean, they maintained it. It's good. Um, I was always afraid that Turtles was going to slip back because honestly, Turtles was uh, when it became that piece of loving Kawabunga, is what got them into the public eye and right. everybody saw them as these fun hip guys but they forgot the comics are very dark and right. when i was asked to do the series that was the first thing they told us was you know because um, peter lair was more or less in charge um, eastman and him had made a deal where um, peter took over the property for a certain amount of years or whatever i forgot that it was a weird deal but basically it was them Separating as partners, but kind of being supportive. You know, one guy takes over, then he'll give him money or something like that. But Peter was the man, and Peter wanted the darker edge turtles from the comics, and I was on that. I mean, again, hey, you don't do Toman and not understand darkness. So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and I like and I like edgy stuff, and I miss that kind of stuff. Uh, not necessarily blood and guts, but just adventure in animation for kids' animation. Um, action shows that I grew up on were, you know, Johnny Quest and Space Ghost, and we didn't have that coming into the '90s. You know, everything was sort of softened up, and and, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and I've been working in the '90s in animation have been a, have been guilty of doing some of that softening too. But when given turtles, um, I was allowed to be as expressive with the, with them as we could. Um, you know, we couldn't be bloody, but we really had. I mean, we had shows. Where we had like. 15 minutes of just battle, you know, (laughs) them battling, you know, there's a diehard moment where they go into the uh, uh, Splinter's building where they have to fight up the stairs, which I really enjoyed. So we were kind of before we weren't, we weren't, we didn't get to be the, the raid, but we were before the raid, and oh, that was kind of really? cool. You know, <laughs> I mean, that was the yes. stuff I looked at. I, I, I was a big fan of Shaw Brothers, big fan of Zatoichi and mm-hmm. Sonny Chiba's ninja films, uh, martial art films in the '70s. That was my blood, red blood. When, when <laughs> westerns, when I grew up, when westerns start. Being interesting, I moved into martial arts as a kid. (laughs) So, as my father used to come, the chopsockies were that was our thing. (laughs) So, there's there's not a martial art movie I haven't seen. There's some I haven't, but I know a crap quite a bit. And so, I brought that in there. I brought that that five deadly, uh, uh, the five deadly venom feeling to the turtles. And oh that was the bottom line. The backstory of that was okay, they wanted the turtles from the from the comics. And the thing I wanted to emphasize was that these are three brothers, or four brothers rather. It's their family. Right. So the squabbling had to be authentic, not this goofy, corny stuff. But to me, Raf was that loner, second older brother. Leo is the oldest brother who's being good. He's kind of like Cyclops. He has mm-hmm. this ideal he has to maintain. Yeah, 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 but right. also, he's the kind of guy you don't mess up. Mess up. He's the ultimate ninja, the right. ultimate right. samurai ninja in some ways, because there is a difference between samurais and ninjas. People. Right. I know too much, so (laughs) so that was kind of stuff I used to jump on the writers and go, "Okay, we got to go this way." Yeah. Right. But it's very important to know that because I think the real fans, those who enjoy this, that kind of detail is what makes it authentic. That's what brings it genuine to them. If you bring that kind of stuff to it, not just made up crap that feels made up, feels like you're just flying the seat of your pants, instead of backed up by real facts and backed up by real instances and backed up by strong influences that's the stuff that stays with you 30 40 years down the pike where right. I can say hey my Cyclops is when Neil Adams drew Cyclops and you realize why his brother was just as dangerous as he was because those two guys were like living weapons that's that's important to know so you know um, I go into every show and I learned that from my comic days of trying to bring backstory into a character so um so now I know why we're talking about X-Men because I, 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 to this day I really I really love that version of Cyclops, and I kind of wished that um, Marvel had paid attention to that at when they, in their comic book version. I guess he's a lot more. I don't even know if he's alive now. But <laughs> I I've stopped X. I stopped reading X-Men a long time ago, so it's really hard for me to kind of you know pick it up and kind of get excited when I see what's going on. But um, from what people tell me, there is some nice stuff going, and that's great. And, um, you know, in the animated world, I like to think, I know every guy who worked on the X-Men shows were fans and they all felt the same passion. I felt I that X-Men evolution had a lot of that and it was beautiful. It was a great show.
2: Were you involved at all in the, in the creation of X-23?
1: No, no, I know, I know the creator. And I remember I actually knew him before he became who he was and knew that he had this incredible, um, passion to write. And, um, uh, in fact, one of the first stories he told me was, I remember him saying, you know, I remember him telling me the story. And he goes, you know, it's almost like you got Spawn here without the baggage, except, <laughs> except it's not as interesting as the original Spawn. So you yeah, need he, to go back and work on that. And I was telling him about, you know, again, finding um, uh, how to balance a character out. If they're going to be broken, you better find some light at the end of the tunnel to make us interested in following them. And right. he listened and learned from a lot of different people. So when he came with X Men Twenty Three, by that time he was an exec in, 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 um, in animation, um, uh, working on the X Men Evolution show. Uh, I think that was—I think that really was everything he learned into that character. And so I know him. I have—I wasn't—I wasn't involved with the show, but I know him well. He's a hell of a guy. Um, that's a hell of a character. Um, yeah. Especially, it's wonderful watching it and watching her and Logan and going, wow, yeah. now this is fresh. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> this is taking an old idea and making it fresh. She's, she's great. She's great in it.
2: Whenever uh, I saw the trench coat on X-Men Evolution, <laughs> I thought maybe that was a, a Matrix influence. But it's interesting to hear you say it was a, it's a Western influence, actually. That's, that's really cool.
1: Well, remember this is this was my not next not on X not on X um, um, Men Evolution. I did that version of Cyclops for Wolverine and the X Men.
2: Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. No, I no, no, I just want to make sure
1: because I know too many of yeah. the guys who worked yeah. on X Men Evolution. Yeah, 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 go, What's yeah, yeah. he talking about? Chuck <laughs> credit? <incredible things laughs> uh-uh. <he didn't> <laughs> I apologize right now. I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just know it's dangerous when you know too many people. You know, yeah. And um, now X Men Evolution. The interesting thing about that again is. Um, the costumes, when they went into the costumes, my friend Frank Parr, uh, again, is a, 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 more of an aficionado of the X-Men uh, than I am. And again, but we both had that same sensibility. You know, Neil Adams' costumes, that dark costume for the X-Men, um, well, you know, by the time he was drawing them, they started getting more colorful. But he always kept that dark suit for, for Cyclops. And I think that was a really nice school uniform feeling that Frank took and went off with another designer, and they played it out. And I think, again, when I look at X-Men Evolution, it's like, wow, that's a true X-Men. That's kind of, if it's going to evolve from the comic, this is where it goes. And, um, but for me, yeah, I mean, the trench coat was so, I mean, to my mind, it's not a trench coat, it's a duster. duster And it's funny, because if you know the movies, you realize that when Leone got the duster coats, In reality, in the Old West, they were a lot cleaner looking, a little stiffer than what he did in the movies. He had them weathered even darker and made them much more uh, pliable. So when the wind blew, the, the tails would go up because that's the point of a duster was to kind of keep a cowboy from being uh, hit by too much dust, so it was heavy, but he made it a lot more, you know, like uh, like a trench coat, and um, from there on, everybody who ever done a western did it the same way he did it. <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of funny, because you see a real a duster, those things are big, they're stiff, heavy, right. and uh, but it, uh, visually, you know, they just look better when they're softer, and more mysterious and that kind of thing. And that's what I wanted for, again, that's that key word, it's mysterious. I wanted to bring mystery back to Cyclops. So if all the X Men, when we revised them, you know, putting him in a coat was like, oh, it was kind of taboo, which is another reason why I love doing it. Um, it gave him a different, when we do characters in animation, we think in terms of silhouettes. So that, let's say they're standing proverbially with the spotlight behind them. And you can't see the features. Their silhouettes should tell you who every person is. Each person oh, is awesome. the other guy. So to me, it was like, <laughs> if we just had a skinny guy standing, there, you'd go, Cyclops, yeah, whoopee. We'll be. But putting him in a coat <laughs> with yeah. a high collar would make you go, who the hell is that? I <laughs> <You probably laughs> thought he was multiple man or something. Right yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. I want to, yeah, and even and Gambit was a perfect example. Yeah, Gambit. Uh, Gambit, you know, but if without a stick, he isn't Gambit. So <laughs> I wanted that, I wanted that, what the fuck, can I curse on this? Yes, oh, oh, okay. only, All right. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so much better now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Little you know, children, listen to this. You gotta no, be careful no. when you work in television. You know. So yeah, what the fuck? So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> see how
1: crazy <brave> that is. <laughs> but it's like we really. I mean, I was like, yeah, I want you to look at this. and Go, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Until the eye lights up and you go, oh, jeez. Well, again, I never got to have that oh my god moment for that show and i really really wished i could have i i I, it was funny how when we the show was around wolverine but again it was fun kind of playing with that and saying wow we got a chance to make cyclops really spooky cool
2: it's interesting how he can like change like that because the the version i grew up with he's he's basically superman on the team with eye blasts only you know like Leonardo like you said but yeah. like recently in the comics and and what you did with him y- y- you guys were like oh it's he's not really like that he's kind of got a darker side and you wanted to ex- explore exploit that maybe not darker Wait. but the loner the loner side more i guess well, it, it
1: becomes dark because you're separated he become the outsider right and and I, in reality okay look at the x men they're all outsiders anyway right 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 that's the whole point point. and cyclops has always been uh, for okay, this is I'm gonna go from he's from Teacher's Pet to um to Daddy's little boy to you know he, the, there's this this expectation put on him to maintain Charles Xavier's vision mm-hmm. and to be the the epitome of all X Men the pressure is tremendous especially when you know his girlfriend is actually three times more powerful than he is and she gets taken into the dark side um the love that wolverine has for gene is divisive because gene feels a little you know something for wolverine especially in the movies there's a lot of pressure on this guy that even with all of his strengths of being whatever I, i relate because it's def it's difficult to stay you know to maintain that 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 Position you're in when you want to just be able to say fuck it, man. I want to be in love. I want to run. I want to take the day off. I, I want to run out of class. I, I don't right. want to be the leader today. And all it takes is one yeah. little tragedy, one little crack, and then that's what we did on the show. We had the death of Gene was what broke him. because we did not have Jean in the show at all. And that was a big point, why we didn't, and why the future is screwed up as it was. We postulated that if Jean had survived, (laughs) and maybe she could wipe out the Sentinels, knowing that she was Phoenix. Oh, yeah, she could take care of the Sentinels' problem, but she wasn't. So that, and plus he he blamed himself, plus he saw himself as a failure. You know, this powerful character fell flat on his face. You know, and then, again, Xavier picking... Wolverine looking at him, going, you know, this is the most brutal, most you know, savage individual I've ever met. Yet there's an honor about him, there's a nobility about him, right, and right, right. the team needs that right now. And and like I said, the fun part was that it was Wolverine goes, no, we need Cyclops. they was like, go, no, but you're the leader. No, we need Cyclops. You know, and now it's kind of fun playing with that mix. To me, the greatest characters are known by, in some ways, by their flaws. You pick Superman or Batman, you know, there's, there's certain flaws about them. If not flaws, um, it, it, it's, I would say, not, yeah, not flaws, but pieces of humanity. Right, if we can't right, relate right. to them, if we can't relate to them being able to fall, then that makes them I think that's why Superman is difficult to be relatable to these days. Because, you know, they, they have to kind of make up his vulnerability outside of Kryptonite. You know, right. right, right, right. Um, he's worried about Lois, he's worried about his mom, he's worried about this, he's worried you know, but uh with Batman it's like, dude, this is a guy out there with nothing. Right. Except, you know, the guitars in his belt. Right. badass car and a crazy butler back home and that's <laughs> it <laughs> you know that's it and he's out there fighting crying dressed like a bat and he's got <laughs> to stay straight he's, he's got to stay on the straight and narrow he can't fall there's a tremendous amount of pressure to stay like that and um, um, that again that, that interests me about certain characters certain heroes that they are great not because of their strength it's because again of their weakness of, of their vulnerability uh, how they get past that vulnerability is what makes them heroes Hope I'm not going too 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 cerebral on you guys. No, 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 no. We him. talk
0: about it all the time. Oh, yeah. cool. Super this hot. is
1: this is a sanctuary for the.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, that's <laughs> yeah. cool.
2: This is yeah. great. By the way, this yeah, is my first podcast. Character. Oh, You're thank
0: guys you
3: guys are making know. this a lot of fun. Thank you. i Yeah, man, I'm a podcast surgeons.
1: Thank you. This is the stuff I'm talking about behind the scenes on every show, every comic. That's the kind of discussion that's gone. Some people less so than others. I don't know the less so's because you know, that's kind of you know, Some of them don't care. Super happy, but, to save the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like with, uh, behind the scenes, every creator. That's what we do when we mm-hmm. when we start yeah. to work on the characters to find that backstory and play up the characters. I mean, I was just uh, I'm going to be starting a new show soon. Actually, that's not a new show. It's the second season of a show, but I'm taking over as a director. And I just had a meeting with the creator and the story editor. And um, I, I, and they both like, dude, you're probably the only guy that knows every character in this show. Can <laughs> uh, you <laughs> reveal
2: what show this is?
1: Uh, I can tell you. It's, um, it's on Netflix. It's called Kulapari. Cool uh, okay yes. right. it's 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 a it's, a, it's the um, little engine that couldn't. Everybody never expected the show to do that well. It did. Huh. Uh, which oh, was is, it
0: the, is it the Frog Show?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, Everybody calls okay. it exactly that. <laughs> We're going to be known as that Frog Show. You know, that's exactly what it is, and uh, I'm going to be pushing it more because um, I mean Netflix was really very supportive of it, and they they saw what they they saw the potential. I'll, I'll give you the Hollywood pitch on what the show is. It's Ninja Turtles meets Lord of the Rings. Oh, sure. (laughs) With a little slash of seven samurai thrown in. And in the Baxter, we put in some superpowers, but we don't call them superpowers. We call it poison. In this world, (laughs) poison, if you're poisonous, that's powerful. That's your power. (laughs) if cool. you're not poisonous you're normal and you're 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 flotsam you're you're, oh. you're you're you know you're 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 just you know in the way of those who are poisonous uh the kulapari are considered like they're translated as the frog warriors they're the samurais of these frogs they are the x-men of these frogs they're the protectors of these normal frogs in this world where they're are evil scorpions. I, I just told the the writer that you have to look at their scorpions like the Klingons. These guys oh. are bred for war. Their yeah. bodies are weapons. In fact, I eliminated a part in the script. Where he goes, well, he picks up a sword. He doesn't need a sword. Dude's uh-huh. got a, like an eight foot stinger over his head, two huge massive pincer claws for hands, mm. and little dainty <laughs> hands to pull you in when the cleansers break your neck. That's that's why they're proud of who they are. And the only guys I know who walks around like that are Klingons. So so I'm using. <laughs> And broad strokes like that. Also, the samurai—we're like that. But that's how we portray them on the show. The the, the the scorpions are the this massive warrior race that had almost taken over the out outback. You gotta look at this world like it's anthropoid uh, animals and insects, but it's they're on human level, so it's very fantasy oriented. That's why it's Lord of the Rings. And um, the frogs have have been. Um, um, they're more magically based, and they've been protected by a guy they call the Turtle King, who's like their Merlin. And although the Kulapari fought these scorpions to a standstill, they're outnumbered. And so the, the Turtle King creates a veil around their sanctuary, which works like the Hidden Zone. It, it not only hides and protects the frogs, it doesn't allow anything in. So the, the scorpions are going be looking right at you, and all they see is sand. Well, huh. you're standing in this huge jungle, and that's how we play the show. So. And, uh, <laughs> good. Because I'm not going to tell you. Just added it to we're Netflix. Just, <laughs> yeah. We're on there right now. Scene, excellent, excellent. <laughs> I've done my job. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's, it's based actually on a young adult series that was created by, of all people, an NFL player. Oh, uh, cool. Trevor Price, yeah. Trevor Trevor surprised everybody. It's like, you know, most guys will go out there, well, I'm going to stay in sports forever, or I'm going to go out and become an actor. Trevor decides, I want to be George Lucas. So,
0: nice. <laughs> so we he got creates, Mark Hamill to do a voice. So You know,
1: yeah. we got Mark plays. Mark has been incredible. In fact, I was yelling at everybody, he goes, we don't get Mark Hamill back, I'm going to lay on the floor and cry you know, forever. Because,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's cool, to,
1: it's cool yeah. to have a turtle as, like, a mentor figure. Not it's that there's ironic. any direct, yeah, like, there's not, a, it seems like probably not a direct connection, but, like, yeah. passing that torch on from, you know, the rat to the turtle to the turtle to the, there's something, like, Zodiac <laughs> yeah. about that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like oh, how you put yeah. that. Can I steal <laughs> that? <laughs> I like yes. line. Yeah, that's something Zodiac about that. That's cool. Yeah. That's very, it was funny because <laughs> it's written movie. in the stars, Chuck thank you. You know, it's funny. I'm gonna steal that too. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Stephen see.
2: watching season three. <laughs> what <Right? is> the fuck?
1: <laughs> it's written in the stars. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but it's ironic because um, you're right. I mean, it's a lot of this was created by not only Trevor's. Um, he, he actually he had a. It started with him having a fear of frogs. <laughs> because he grew up in the South, and he kept seeing them. And I, my father grew up in the South, and he used to tell me stories like when it rained, it would grab, I mean, depending on the weather, frogs are picked up and thrown all over the place, so they'd be literally raining frogs. And it's kind of creepy because these poor guys get wiped out. And Trevor saw that as a kid, and it freaked him out. But I guess he it, it fascinated him so much, it always stayed in the back of his mind about frogs There's something about them. Uh-huh. And then he went to Australia years later uh, after – being an NFL star and stuff and he heard about aborigine mythology no. and these are people that have never been given enough credit in, uh, of their mythology looked on and been given any as much um uh, attention as other mythologies right, right. have been and that's when the whole idea of poison came because they saw this most people see poison go oh bad bad there they were like no poison's power you know i mean you've got a powerful thing and powerful frogs who carry this poison and then things just went click for him he heard that and went whoa and he like it he was always uh fascinated by you know of course star wars like we all are and the mythology of that and that's when he created Kulapari from. And uh, also, also, there's an old folktale of the scorpion and the frog yeah. that plays so huge. That, that actually snuck up on me because it was so obvious. You're not actually playing that up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I took that too. <laughs> you know the story. It's, it's an old story that's been translated. It usually involves a snake or a scorpion. And it's the usual story of the animal being asked to do something outside of his nature, and then it winds up stinging you, and you go, why did you do that? And it goes, dude, I'm a scorpion, or dude, I'm a snake. That's Uh what translates to. But Mm -hmm. he played on that, to integrate that into his Pari stories. And so when we were picked to do it last year, we were actually going to do them as three separate movies, direct-to-video movies. And uh, Netflix heard about it. Uh, He was talking to other networks, uh, Amazon and Hulu, but Netflix, which amazed me how these guys operate because they just know. They, They remind me of when we used to work with HBO. They told us back when we were doing Spawn how, you know, we don't care what you guys do as long as you sell cable. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if we're, good, we're not going to sit there and go, I don't know. You know, it's too dark. They're going, no, there's an audience for dark. We want that. So Netflix is kind of like looking at that and going, hey, this is kind of interesting. It does. It comes out of nowhere. It's not hooked with comics. It's not hooked with Lucas. It's not hooked. You know, this is original. And they greenlit our three movies into 13 episodes. So we cool. broke down the movie, became a TV series, did our season um what on the air had i had no idea um, at that time i was actually working as storyboard supervisor oh. under the, the original director was a guy named tad stones who was the creator of darkwing duck and, oh, yeah. awesome. and uh, <laughs> also, he also did the uh the hellboy cool. um uh, animated series awesome. uh, oh, yeah. at that time when he was doing uh, that i was actually doing spawn i was doing another spawn movie that unfortunately hasn't was never released but, um, um, so yeah, that's another story. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the irony is that this, the movie that Todd is talking about is kind of the one that we worked on, except he's making it in live action. So, but that's, that's another story. But anyway, so Tad was put, brought in to um, supervised Kulapari, and um, the show was being played a little, it was played action-adventure, but a little more comedy than what uh, Trevor Price, the creator, was looking for. So I was asked to come in and, you know, edge it up, so, which we did. And uh, Trevor was ecstatic because I was like, you know, I want this to stand on this own. He kept bringing up Cora, and I go, Korra's great. Cora is wonderful as Cora, but I want Kulipari to become Kulapari. Right, not right, Cora. Right. Craw, yeah. You know, that's what you do with a, a property. That's what we should do. And it did. It became his own thing. It's, uh, it's slow at the beginning because we have a big story, but as we open up, it gets hard-edged and fun. Um, not Blood and Guts, but Adventure. It's, okay. it's really yeah. a fun series. Anyway, that's what I'm heading up this season. Yeah. <laughs> then, so um, uh, I'm excited because we got some nice new things coming up. And uh, I'll be, I'm hoping we get Mark back. I would love to work with him again. I actually had work on Mark on uh, my, my Spawn movie I was working on. Mm-hmm. We had picked Mark to be um, Twitch. Of the infamous nice. Salmon Twitch. Uh-huh. Mark yeah, was yeah, Twitch, yeah. which was hilarious because he was trying to do these voices and we were telling him, Mark, Mark, just do you. He's like, Really? You want my voice? He goes, That's the voice, that's the voice. <laughs> <laughs> he was just doing himself as Twitch and he was great. Kind of an awesome Luke his... Skywalker, just do that. Kind of, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, you know. Not Tachi Station. He'll say, hey, we're going down to Manhattan to do something. And so, you know, His voice cracked. <laughs> That's the one, with one. But He's great to work with. He is such a, uh, an amazing talent. And we also had Keith David oh, on awesome. right. the party playing so he's the evil he's, Marmoo. Yeah, he's the Genghis Khan of Scorpions. <laughs> and this guy, you hear Keith David's voice and you just go, ah. I <laughs> was yeah. at a panel yeah. at
2: one of the Comic Cons uh, where Keith David was talking. And he said to this day that spawn was his favorite thing he's done.
1: When we were doing the movie, he was actually when we were doing that second movie that you unfortunately won't see, um, Keith was not in town when everybody else was being recorded. We had a huge cast recording, and he unfortunately couldn't be there because Keith works all the time. Yeah. But he made it a point, you know, and I'll try to do the Keith David voice. I don't care where I am. You call me, I'll do it over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, Storm, yeah, he, he over loves Spawn, you know, man. He would do it. We were just laughing. It's like Keith we got Spawn, Spawny. yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> only him and Todd would
1: call it Spawny. You know, Spawny. So, <laughs> so, so, so. but he was. Yeah. It's just. It's just absolutely. You cannot do that guy without him. We right. actually mm. had Michael Jai White play mm. the main villain henchman on the movie. Oh which was God, funny because we had Spawn versus Spawn. You yeah. know? So yeah. that breaks my heart when we never got it it never got done. And um uh. and who knows, todd may surprise us and, and decide once he does the live action that he may want to resurrect this animated thing we did. Um so it's so. done like its entirety is it's just, done. It's just yeah, in we, limbo. It's in limbo. Whoa. It's all in boxes. Oh, we ordered wow. it out. It's it's a hundred well We've got to bring it to 80 minutes, but we did enough to be two hours, and um, which you don't want to do yeah. for an animated show. It's just an animated movie, two hours will kill you. It's just it's something psychological that just won't allow mm-hmm. you to sit there and go with that for that <laughs> long. So, I mean, he's got all the editing up to him and all the voice work was done. Um, one of the actors had passed away, unfortunately. Oh, so wow. I hope that I – mean, I don't know if you want to replace him or not – um, John Polito. I don't know oh, if you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. John was playing Sam. Uh, he, great. Oh, no, it was wonderful. He was just great. Uh, it, it just breaks my heart that we never got that out there so he, he could have his animation uh, debut uh, playing Sam. Mark Hamill was Twitch. That was wonderful.
0: Todd, so, if you're it's... listening, release that shit. <laughs> <laughs> we want it. The fans want it. We need more Spawn.
1: Yeah, Todd's we become like a geek, urban legend. It is. It is yeah, a he, geek. He had a web, was a website with the models and stuff on it that still exists. you know. And when he put out the art of Todd McFarlane in the middle of the book, it's all the cast and the backgrounds we did for that movie. Oh, so it, it exists. It's just that I don't know if you're ever going to see it as well, how we envisioned it. And that's yeah. but it's up to him. It's his baby and it's his character. Right, right now we moved on and uh i love that i i I, it's one of those things that's in your when i look at my imdb i'm proudest of that dead space turtles um you know um it just shows uh i had the most fun i I tell my crews that we if we're not having fun on this it's not worth doing
3: right don't make it a
1: job if it's a job it's not believe me you know, and I, I I can tell you anecdotes on doing Spawn. I can tell you anecdotes on doing Turtles, where, you know, again, we were just, you know, just had to put aside the politics, put aside the crap, have fun. Right,
3: you know? exactly. Yeah.
4: You just mentioned Dead Space. I was a, I was a huge fan of the video games. Thank you. I rented that, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, yeah, cool. As you're going through your sort of your resume, I wanted to mention Cops. <laughs> that was a show. Yeah. That was a show that I that I would catch like at summer camp as a kid, and it would come <laughs> on, and like yeah. I just loved how sort of like more adult it was for the yeah. around yeah. Had like a Blade Runner
2: feel to it. Yeah, yeah. and I just yeah.
4: if you wouldn't mind talking about that, I really enjoyed that show. The intro yeah. was
1: great. That's a tough one because I was more so behind the scenes on that. It was ugly. Okay. I mean, I can tell you about it. <laughs> but it, it I, I can't. I, I mean, I know some of the guys who are the real stars on that, who work on it. In fact, working with one of the uh, board artists who's a uh, director on that now, uh, Kevin we We're who, working on the show. Um, I'm, walking, I'm leaving for Kulapari called Stretch Armstrong.
3: Oh, shit. Okay. Every,
1: yeah, The Resurrected Stretch Armstrong um, cool. for Netflix. So it'll be out soon. It's going to be fun. But Kevin and several other people were the real uh, – I think Kevin boarded that sequence. And it was – There's certain sh- animated shows of that time that rival – I always call Thundercats the best um, animated opening title sequence ever mm-hmm. done because it just moves. Thundercats yeah. on. The yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Cops yeah, yeah. has his own – take goes beyond that cops give you a little story you know Mm -hmm. you know you got the crooks breaking in all of a sudden the cops come in and (laughs) by the time that when they were working on that i was just starting at that studio dic and um they needed a lot of incidentals done um i was brought on it because they saw that they wanted this to be this sort of superhero-y without being superheroes so you're right. The whole Blade Runner influence was strong, and the cyber, the RoboCop influence was strong. Um, actually, it was before RoboCop. So, um, but you know, the cyber punk was very strong,
4: and
1: yeah, very newish, right well. um, yeah, very, very sci-fi, yeah. which was lovely, wonderful, great. And I was brought on, and I liked the idea of the more brawny-looking guys. I mean, I had done GI Joe,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and one of the things about Joe that eventually came. Later, as we did, Joe, was that I wanted them to feel more than just regular guys. I wanted them to feel bigger than life. Um, I, you know, to me, the Joes were like. This is where you got your Rambos. This is where you got your commandos from, you know, from the right, Joes. Right. They weren't just regular soldiers. These were special forces. So they should feel a little special. So the cops the same way. These weren't regular cops. These were like the special forces of cops. So and behind the scenes there when we're drawing the characters, I always made them a little brawnier. Mm-hmm. thinking, you know, more Jack Kirby in my mind. Yeah. And cool. um, then their guy, their, their lead guy was, um, I think, a guy named Phil Barlow. Who was an Australian art artist who very bizarre, whacked out designs? He's wonderful, and I think he brought a little of that too. So it just sort of naturally evolved. I wish I could take more credit for it, but you know, I mean, I was just one of the, one of twenty or thirty other artists on good this toys too. they are great toys. Um, that was <laughs> that was the other thing too. That was working on a property that they actually got us. The, that's how we got cops. Okay, um, they. We created this stupid character. The big toy at the time was He-Man. Mm-hmm. This is a little backstory that help you. Yeah. That will yeah. kind of like say, okay, this is how come you're on cops. So um, He-Man's a big toy. Um, toy guys are running at animation and trying to get their properties out there. And um, these guys came to us and they wanted to make a He-Man like superhero who was a cop. Okay. Right? So okay, I was picked okay. because I was just in comics, and they were like, you're the comic guy, come up with something. So the name they <laughs> picked for this character was called Officer Strong. God <laughs> <laughs> <Not laughs> awful. Oh, <man>. this was <laughs> and I didn't care at the time because I was, I mean, the thing about animation at the time when I came in was that I wasn't a big fan of animation. American animation. I mm-hmm. love Japanese animation, but we—I thought we'd never get to that level. We always do this cute crap stuff. Right. So, and I wasn't a big fan of He-Man either. But so here I was being forced to make this sort of contemporary He-Man. So I did. I made him this big, giant Nazi cop <laughs> with with a belly <laughs> stick and a dog that was going to be about the size—not as big as as uh uh, uh what's his name's cat. Battle Cat. Battle cat yeah. It was going to be his Battle Cat, and they, and but the only trick is, is that he had these tricked out vehicles. So I drew these tricked out motorcycles and tricked out stuff, and he's fighting these big villains, and the toy guys were going nuts on it, but everybody else was like, "Oh, this is going to suck as a show," and and then the guys <laughs> who own cops saw it and went, "Whoa! If you took this and." played, you because know, I made it very contemporary. Like this is the Marvel Marvel Universe uh a version of New York again. Um and I took it and they looked at it and went, no, no, let's make this Blade Runner. Let's blow this up. So they took what we did, shoved it, which I'm really glad they shoveled it. I should say shelved it, but we shoveled it away. And <laughs> they redesigned the show, the idea with better writing to cops. So that's Ooh. how I got associated with that. But it was funny because everybody would see Officer Strong and the artists were all cringe. And I would cringe. But by that time I had left JLA, so it's like, look, if I can create, buy I can create this. Thing. So, so. Uh, but when they started doing the designs for cops, it was like, oh, man, this is better. This is so much better. So that's how I kind of associated. And then I was put on the show because of my work on Officer Strong. And then uh, from there I got put into development because – of my work, so for the next eight years, I was behind the scenes at Deke. Just about every show that came down had I was had I had a uh, hand on, uh, especially if it was action adventure.
4: Awesome,
2: awesome.
1: So that's um, a long way to yeah. tell you how I got. Yeah, caught. and they great. <laughs> so. That's a really cool backstory to it. I wish I, I wish yeah. I kept the posters <laughs> off. Stands out. Thank you. Officer of Strong was so bad. It, it, it's now we can actually do the show and do it tongue in cheek. That's how bad it is. But at the yeah. time they were serious, it was awful. Awful. <laughs> <It> was awful. <laughs> is there?
2: Is there, this is really off the top of my head, but going back to the Kulapari thing, uh, is there any kind of Battletoads influence at all? Among those? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Battletoads! Oh my god! Yeah, Dude, this makes Battletoads look like uh, Three Little Pigs.
3: <laughs> we, had a, well, we had right, a
1: battle right. scene. As, we had our version of Minus Tirith, where the frogs, uh-huh. the veil was going to be torn apart by the Spider Queen. She's this Jara. She's a uh, evil Morgan Le Fay type. And she was the student of the Turtle King, so she learned what is known as night casting. So she's gonna rip the, the, the veil, and the, we got hordes of scorpions and these other dudes called the Lizard Mercenaries, who were kind of my favorites mm-hmm. because they remind me of Luke Cage, because they were like, We don't care about ideology, we don't care about good and bad, we're here for the money. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we yeah, even yeah. put that in there. I'm here for the money. The leader is Kalara, he's cool, he's this lizard warrior and Roman. Uh, armor and uh, he's leading um, a band of um, mercenaries all riding Komodo dragons. So we got Komodo dragons. So we got this thing where they tear down, they try to tear down the veil, but they, she, she fails. And she only opens up like a 50 foot gap that this thousands of warriors go through. We had to animate that crap. So we did. <laughs> and, there's a, and the <laughs> frogs have built up a wooden wall to fight them, to hold them in this gap, this valley. And so for one episode, we got one huge Lord of the Rings battle where the Kulipari finally show up. I'm not going gonna, gonna to ruin it for you. The Kulipari used to be in a, a hundreds. There used to be hundreds of them. Okay. In our, where we are now, there's only four left. <laughs> so nice. there's four, four left. So, uh, that's one thing that kind of bothered me with the turtles sometimes is you don't have any other of their kind.
2: So you just well, have this force yeah. like, yeah. The loneliness that exists there
1: is something that's only felt by these four individuals. You know, that's fucking cool. Very cool. But again, back to that vulnerability, you know, that they're outsiders fighting for everybody else. Because um, that's the thing about the turtles. Why are yeah. they good? Because Splinter took the time to say doesn't matter, you know, how people see you is what you do. You do yes. this, you know. Right. And that's a that's a true Bushido way. And and with the kulipari it's like, look, there's only four of us, but with our poison each of us is worth 50 men. We're still, okay, it still comes out to them four with their 50 man per person power against thousands. And we have them fighting like crazy. And they do up to a point, you know. Well, you have to watch the show. So yeah. they give you a, we have lots of battle toe moments. I mean, it's called Cool Apart because these guys are warriors. And um, they're led by a kid who, this is where we bring in our Three Musketeers influence, um, <laughs> the character Daryl. Is a um, he's the main character of our show. His father was Kulapari, but he didn't pass on the poison to him, it skipped him and went to his three uh, triplet siblings. But he's a normal wood frog, but he trains with an old Kulapari Mark camel named Jir. And huh. so, in my mind, it's like, if, okay, look at the Kulapari, it's like the Sha- like Shaolin temple. But Daryl mm-hmm. is Bruce Lee. <laughs> he's oh, he's yeah. learned how to fight, and that's what freaks out the cooler part. He's going, "You don't have powers, but man, you're smarter. You're you're nastier. <laughs> you know, you know those <laughs> sneaky things. You know, because he learned he has to compensate, and that's our hero of the show. So mm-hmm. um, that gives you an idea. So yeah, battle We do our own battle toes here. <laughs> we got All our right. own <laughs> little
2: thing. So
1: hope you enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah, I'm watch
2: it. yeah it sounds great it for sure.
1: I'm pretty proud of it. Obviously, <laughs> Ted you know, did a magnificent job in that first season. It was uh, again we had nothing. We have the books and the show looks a little significantly different. The characters are the same, but we put more of an animation uh, approach to it, where we bulked up certain characters and brought a little more personality to other characters. But it's essentially, you know, it stands on its own pretty strong.
4: So we've been talking about animation awesome. for a bit. I was wondering if you could uh, go into your stint in uh, like doing the JLA America and the other comics and sort of how you got into doing comics, basically.
1: Oh, okay. That's a, that's a very interesting story. Um, I always wanted to do comics since I was a child. I mean, it's like my folks I, – I I'm very grateful to my folks that they encouraged me mm-hmm. as a kid to draw. And my sisters would bring home a stack of comics that rival—I don't think you can see that—but we in our house every week we had that many comics coming in the house. And and my mom cracked me up because she would bitch and moan about all you kids and your comics. But my mom was a huge fan of Tarzan comics, so it's (laughs) like so (laughs) she was an addict too, you know. So I mean, she taught me to read on uh, fricking comic strips like Prince Valiant. I learned how to read as a child Mm -hmm. on that and Tarzan so so comics was always in my life and jumpstart up until where I got out of college I had studied art but I majored in writing and journalism but um because my mom was afraid there's no people you never make a living at this I want to <laughs> learn some, and I won some journalism wars, big deal you know it was like you know I was I, I I was never I mean I wanted to write I didn't I became a journalist because no there was no other writings mm-hmm. um classes to take for me where I was. And um, long story short, I got out of college and no idea where to go. All I knew is that Detroit had spawned five guys who had went to New York and became famous. Walt Simonson, Terry Austin, uh, Arville Jones. uh, I'm missing. uh, I said Walt Simonson. Um, 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 Keith Pollard, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. But these are famous guys. And they're all worked at Marvel. And they're all worked at DC. And I don't know how I found out that Keith Pollard still lived in Detroit. Maybe I saw it in a, uh, a phone book or whatever. Uh, not a phone book. I went to the phone book to find his name. And I did. And I called him up and took a chance. That was him. And he invited me to his house. So I made this long trek out to the suburbs and spent a couple hours talking to him about comics. And him showing me his work and showing me, telling me the reality of what it took to be a comic artist. And basically said, you got to get your ass out of Detroit. <laughs> so, you, <know, laughs> you got to go to New York, buddy. I'm sorry, you can't do it. You can't mail order. It's no way. Until you get known, that's not going to happen. So I spent the next two years, I moved to Boston, and then from there, jumped to New York. And um, met Dick, Dick Giordano, who invited me to become part of the new talent showcase. And uh, it was actually a new talent, talent workshop. Where he was developing people, and I made the jump there. wound up living in somebody's living room while I was there because we had one class a week. So one class, two hours of Dick's time, and he would bring us into comics. We had to go into the offices of 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 DC Comics, which was always a trip because we we're all these young guys coming in. and it's like, oh my God, it's like going to the Asgard, you know, <laughs> and it was just really cool. And you had no idea who was who, you know unless you got to see their photograph you know you just passed Canyon. you did you know if you passed uh, Neil Adams um, but uh, and Dick would sometimes bring these people in to say hi which would blow you away. but I remember he was always tough on me he was always he, he said something to me that I used later on my own people. I would draw a page and you look at it and go Patton you went out of your way to be boring. <laughs> and I would know? <laughs> you know? keep doing it keep doing it, keep doing it because that's what he'd give us assignments and every week we would come back and he'd show us okay, I'm going to give you two pages of script to see what you can do with that and so this went on for like a year maybe six months and then one day it used to be that when somebody screwed up Dick would take him out of the office and we wouldn't see him again right. <laughs> and um, so you're like oh jeez you know it takes you out and I remember one day he was like "Pat, follow me and I'm like, and we went from a class of 30 guys to 15 at that time. That's how many people went through there. Some actually went off to get jobs. Some of them were good enough to get jobs elsewhere, like at Marvel. And some got asked to go because they just weren't going to get better. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, geez, here it is. I, I was boring once too often. He's asking me to leave. Except he's taking me into the inner offices, not the out, not to where the exit is. I'm dumb. I'm like, a, oh, maybe he's going to chew me out in his office. So he takes me to his office, and who's sitting there is Len Wein, Barb Wolfman, wow. and George awesome. Perez. Man, Perez man. and Wolfman are working on pages because Len was their editor, and they're like, yeah, Dick thinks highly of because Dick goes, here he is. I got to go. And he leaves me there. And I'm like, oh, shit. So they, and George goes, I sell your stuff. It looks good. And I'm like, huh? You know? So they leave, and I'm still thinking something's going to happen here. I'm going to get kicked out. So Lin starts asking me these questions like, "Yo, so Dick says you're the fastest guy in class." I goes, "Huh? <laughs> he did? <laughs> he just says I'm boring sometimes." He goes, "No, <laughs> he says you're good. He just keeps you on your toes." But I got this book that's 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 having problems because listen, you know this artist, James the artist. I'm I'm afraid to say. Well, I'll say his name. It was uh, Gene Day. Not Gene Day. Dan Day, I think it was Gene Day. Gene Day was doing some raving the bows, and he asked me how what I thought of him. I goes, "Well, he's great." Um, I think he uses too much photographs, but, you know, it's great. He goes, well, that, I, I'm glad you thought that, you know, but he died. i like, oh, shit. Oh, he yes. goes, yeah, <laughs> he died on the drawing table. And this is why I'm kind of confused because I can't remember if it was his brother Dan or if it was Gene. I want to say it was Gene, but I think it was Dan. So he goes, yeah, he died on the uh, table and he left us in a deadline. And um, I want to know if you want to take over his book. And I, 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 yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 so, you know, they give me a bunch of paper, they give me the script, they turn me on to the editor of the book, who's Ernie Cologne who was almost like, you know, it was almost like, um what's the, what's the Richard Gere movie, Officer and the Gentleman, mm-hmm. you know, they, they give me the, the toughest, craziest editor they can give me, which is Ernie Cologne and, um, and they sent me go home and draw this book. You got to make up for the time that uh, the day that uh, the, the Dan Day left, and so I had two weeks to put this book together. And um, I was still working this crappy job, so I'd go there and then at night draw my butt off. So mid uh, mid about midway of the first week, I get a phone call from Ernie going, how you doing kid? Where are you on these pages? I'm like, well, I only got two done. It goes, two done! God damn it, you got 20 pages to draw. What are you doing? You're <laughs> working a job. You me? You're making a job, you know? I'm at this job hearing this yelling, being yelled at by Ernie Cologne, telling me, kid, you got a job. Because in my little twisted mind, I thought well, it was still a test, right? They're not right. going to pay me. And Ernie goes, you got a job. You're getting paid. It goes, I am? Yeah, <laughs> And he told me, which at the time was, you know, 40 a page, which at then was big money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? I'm getting 40 a page? Yeah. Like, so he goes, well, quit your job. I goes, yes, sir. And I hang up. And I go to my boss. And goes, I right, quit. They goes, you can't quit. You got to resign. So I took an envelope, took a pen. I resigned, went home, drew for 72 hours straight. Yeah. Got the book done with four days short. And that became my Brave and Abode. And Lynn took it and showed it around the office. And then he offered me Justice League, which was was like uh, as a kid growing up on JLA through the years, that was my book. That was the book I loved. And that's (laughs) how I got it. So the rest was history. You know, there were times I would go to Dixon. Can I come back to class? Because kid, you're a working artist. You can't come back. So you got GLA. What are you talking about? You graduated. <laughs> I did this for like six months. Or can I come back to class? He goes, no, you can't. Go go draw the damn book. <laughs> and the rest was history. The book wasn't ready, so they kept putting me on other things, and I, that, which was great. I got a lot of. Um, I got to draw the creeper, another favorite. I got to draw Green Lantern. Um, I did little sides and then they finally put me with other writers on JLA, which was great for me to learn. I was, it was, you know, it was a good time. I mean, I feel very, very grateful to have that happen. I feel bad that it happened on Dan Day's death, you know, and, and please we should find out if it's Dan or Jean. It's been over 30 years. So I'm <laughs> but, you know, again, I, I feel grateful even though that was a terrible way to start. Um, it was also very magical because, um, you know, I mean, I, I I wanted to do this all my life. And I've been lucky enough to have done this all my life. I miss comics. Uh, there are days when I would sit there and go, I would love to do a comic again. And I may, I may do it. But, you know, it's um, um, animated shows. Uh, that's a little different little different beast to enjoy. Um, the thing I love about comics, again, is just you. Talking about being a loners and stuff. You in that paper and you in that story. and you in that panel and you can do that and not have to worry about 20 other people behind you. When I did those books, those first few books, I had to work I got to work with some amazing people. Um, inkers. Later as I got JLA, I went through a multiple bunch of inkers that didn't quite fit with me and that kind of broke my heart and kind of made me look around for other things to do. But at the beginning, I couldn't ask for anything better. It was wonderful. That's hope awesome. i answered that <laughs> so. yeah no great <laughs> yeah. thank you you're welcome
0: do, do you have an idea for a book that you like a comic that you would like to do or like a friend, like a ongoing oh, yeah. series that you're like you know what i re- they really need me right now or
1: something <laughs> you know it's funny i tell people now i wish i had my head the head i have now back then because huh. um it, you know it's wonderful it's great to draw those books and and and, and i just got to where I don't want to draw Batman now. I mean, I love Batman to this day, and I love seeing other people. Um, Greg Capullo from Spawn Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. drawing Batman, and I can't think of anybody who was wonderful to draw Batman. Um, There are other people out there who do magnificent jobs. But honestly, if I'm going to draw comics, I'd rather draw my own. Mm, and cool. I have yeah. it in the back of my mind several books I like to see done with the same thing you're saying this book is not like that so I like to do that That I encourage anybody a lot of the young artists I work with when they want to do comics and I sit there and go don't be the guy who want to just do X-Men be the guy who has a story to tell that happens right, to draw right. X-Men yeah. and I wish I got that speech back in the day you know. but Dick uh, <laughs> wouldn't let me go back to class so I could never get that speech <laughs> but uh, um, that's how I feel now. It's like I'm grateful that I got to work on that. I worked on Brave and the Bold uh, animated series, which to my mind is still the greatest Batman animated show out there next to Batman the Animated Series. So I got to draw a lot of the characters again that I used to draw in DC or wanted to draw in DC. And, um, you know, it's like you get to where if you're a real creator, then you want to start feeling your own muscles. Yeah. So in my mind, there are things I, I mean – there was a time I even thought, well, you know, I wouldn't mind if someone said, hey, Chuck, you want to do Alien? Because I actually did an Alien, an Alien animated series proposal. For oh, somebody, cool. And oh my god, better. dude! Oh, that would be. It's scary for man, yeah. you know, it's scary because we, I'm looking at what, what Neil Blouin is doing, and it's pretty much exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to pick up Ripley with these hard-ass badasses that she's pulled. It was all, It was like her and the Magnificent Seven. She went and got oh, these tough people. Yes. Oh, right. It was like she's the only one who understood how to deal with the aliens. So she had maybe one or two Marines, but the rest of them were renegades, and um, um this was during that time when they weren't going to do hardcore animated shows. If I had waited another three years and took it to HBO when I was there, we probably would have got it sold, but that's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to draw that. I like that. Um, I wanted to draw, I mean, once I got out of superheroes, I wanted to draw more interesting, you know, sci-fi, other stuff other than just superheroes. So.
2: What would be the, uh, for your original stuff, what would be the uh, combination of elements? Like you said, Kulapari is is Lord of the Rings meets what was it, Ninja Turtles? Mm-hmm. Uh, if what, what, it would be for your original stuff, it would be what meets what.
1: Oh geez, oh that's that's a tough one. Well, you know, as much as I just went on about, I don't want to draw Batman. I have a character right now that I realize is my version of Batman. <laughs> okay. Without but with, but if you look at it, you wouldn't know where it's Batman or not because you know, it also combines. Uh, uh, um, swords. I love swords, sword mm-hmm. play in movies and stuff. So he's a swordsman. It's contemporary times. He's sort of an urban samurai. And okay. um, he nice. plays a game of Of uh, he's he's kind of like a It's um, kind of like the equalizer. But you think he's a trash man. You think he's a, a derelict. But he's really much more capable than that. He's actually richer than people think he is. But he's purposely out there for a reason because he's the uh, he understands there's a darker world out there, and there's no one in his place, and he decided to take that place, which freaks everybody out because he could have been the world's greatest killer, and he decides to go the other way. So that's why I, uh, that's a character of mine. Another one is a western, which I realize is my ver- western version of Conan, the barbarian. <laughs> and that's the best way to describe it. So that's the kind of stuff I look at and goes, I really want to do a western, but I didn't want to do it just a straight western. And I remember a, a colleague saying, why can't you do a straight Western? I goes, well, because, one, um, they've been done to death. Two, to do a straight Western. One, west Westerns are myths. Mm-hmm. The Westerns we love, I don't care what the Western is, it's a myth. The real West was a lot grungier, grud, grud, um, simpler, stupider. Uh, stupider in that there wasn't this, you know, we we this grandiosity that we love about good and bad was much more mixed up and screwy. I mean, especially if you read about the real OK Corral and you realize that the Earp brothers were um, were nastier than the guys that they killed. They just had better PR, and uh, you know. But uh, and and other great famous Western people, and you realize that it's it, you know it, it's like anything. It's um, one of the great movies said once, um, and it was the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, when the legend meets fact, print a legend. So the fact is thrown out the door. That's the Western. So to my mind, if you're going to do a Western, you have to bring it to mythic proportions. You got to bring it outside norm. I don't want to do a norm Western. A norm normal Western would break your heart. You know, I mean, a real one. Even Lonesome Dove, with what it, it does, it still is a sort of romance. And um, because this real story is that you know the heroes are probably crazy, bloodthirsty racists. You know, right, right, right. Um, yeah. the way they treat the red man and how they treat uh, even when they're friends here and there, I mean, they're either psychotic or racist. And and there's you know, if you look at it from modern terms, so you have to print the, the legend. So to my mind, to do a Western, I want to do something on the left side of weird, but also make it really gritty, and that's going to be fun. So that's the kind of stuff I look at mix and match. I'm a big fan of horror. Like doing Dead Space, what what really attracted me to that, besides the game is still one of the most credible spooky games ever played, um, was that, you know, the creators, as much as they were looking at Alien, they really were looking at, I mean, the, the real godfather of, of, of dead space was event horizon uh-huh. and event horizon yeah, yeah. is just a haunted house in space yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. kind of I what they wanted to horizon. do <laughs> yeah we all loved it you know it's like we we're all yeah. laughing going so how do we make this not event horizon event horizon without you know <laughs> <laughs> you had to kind of look at event horizon to go okay so i love that kind of comedy combining things and, and with horror that kind of stuff I, I like that um even with some spawn i remember telling um Todd that, you know, the reason the live action movie didn't do that well is because it couldn't decide what kind of movie it was supposed to be, you know, it was being a superhero, but it's really a horror story, and it has all these horror influences that you were playing down for the superhero stuff, and it seemed kind of wacky, you know, and, you know, even now he's like going, "Whoa, well, this is more a horror story now, and it's like, well, I'm glad yeah. you learned the lesson, you know. <laughs> Because I actually gave him a list of 20 of great horror films to watch to see why they worked and how they can adapt that.
2: He wants to make the next Spawn movie uh, more like The Conjuring, he said, or The Exorcist. That's, that's what yeah. he wants to go for. I think that'll yeah. that will be very interesting. It would be very interesting.
1: It would be very interesting. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, you watch certain things. I just watched Split the other night. I don't know if you've heard of that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, we I we it. It. yeah, we all saw it. Have you all saw it? When yeah, you get to that uh, end, does that change everything? Oh, dude, it does. He totally <laughs> I thought
0: that I thought that movie was kind of okay. I was just like, "This is a cool movie. I enjoy it. I like I like that Shyamalan's coming back from his little yeah. like all the what he did before." Because uh, yeah. I like the visit. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, yeah, but was. when I when I when that end happened, I was like, "Holy fuck! You made me think about something." I haven't thought about since 2000. It changed it, so now changed I mean, the game,
1: doesn't it? Yeah, he <laughs> yeah.
0: did. He just—he's like, here's how you do a sequel to something. It's like, what? Not only God.
1: that, he just said he—he he quietly brought in his own—and I'm a, a spoiler alert, but he brings in his own mythology. Oh right, yeah, right, it's right, so right. good. That's the yeah. way to—that's the way to say it without ruining for somebody. Because I remember a friend wanted to tell me so bad, and I went, no, no, and I made myself watch and went, oh, son of a bitch, you. This is the M. Night Shyamalan I miss. (laughs) Yeah. This guy is It's like a good twist, a
0: surprising twist, you know? It
1: is a surprising (laughs) twist, and it's so subtle. And so I I urge everybody to watch it because it also opens the door to kind of what we're talking about and how you play a mix. How do you mix these things and create your own mythology? How do you create this, you know, this, 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 uh, when you want to create a character and you want to go and create a genre? That's what yeah. we're talking about, and right, and right, that's right. what I and that excites me. So when we did Dead Space, that's what I went. I mean, I knew what they were doing with the game, and I knew what we, the Isaac uh, the Isaac character how important he was. But I wanted to surprise. The thing about Dead Space and Isaac is that that surprise was so convoluted that it was hard to follow. Because they're so crazy about the the um, the uh, the unitology and all that stuff, mm-hmm, and yeah. so um, from my point of view, I wanted to do what Aliens did, where you didn't know who was going to survive, and that woman that survives rises up become a girl. So yeah. I kind of stole from Aliens for that re- for that <laughs> respect. But I love that type of story. You know, um, I, I like the survivor that comes out of it, and they're now freakier than where they started. That's what made Evil Dead Evil Dead
4: yeah yeah yeah.
1: when i first saw evil dead one was great but then evil dead 2 just blew your mind going whoa this guy went from being victim to now he's going after them (laughs) you know that's that's kind of cool this guy does oh sorry I'm okay. getting you No, know, It's my fiance texting me at the wrong time. So, <laughs> no but, uh,
2: problem. She has no idea see.
1: I'm on, you know, and the phone decides <laughs> to like, you know, talk. Usually it never does. So sorry, but, uh, that was so cool when that happened and that opened up and, t- and all of a sudden even as a franchise. So that's what I wanted to do it with, with dead, dead space. Let's bring that kind of feeling to it. And, um, I love that. I mean, if I do any other property, I mean, Kulipari is the same way. Kulipari has really, uh, I I see where uh, Trevor and I were talking about his next books and the spin on the characters from there that we're introducing in season two. And I just remind him that a character he called a villain is really a hero. And I went, that's what really got me interested in the series because you don't know that at the beginning. When you see him, you see him doing something and he's being, you know, and I said, you need to put this up further where he's being looked on as a bad guy. And don't let everybody know that, you know, he really is more noble than you suspect. And he got excited about it. And then because, as I said, when he said he's a villain, he goes, no, what he does is actually out of love. And that's kind of cool, you know, that he becomes this what he becomes. Not because of uh, uh, he wants the usual. I want to conquer the world. I want to. Da, da, da. He feels this responsibility that he's filling in, and I remind him that's no different than, than Prince Namor. <laughs>
3: you know, right,
1: right, right. I mean, my sisters used to read that stuff, and my sisters were older. They were reading the old Prince Namors. And where he was like beating up the world until the nazis showed up and they went okay i'll help you fight the nazis you know? <laughs> <You know? laughs> i to get to still beat on people right you know surface dwellers <laughs> and that was kind of cool because he was in all reality he was he was uh, he was an outsider and he was fighting for his people and people who didn't even like him his own people but he was still fighting for their rights and that was he may seem like an enemy to one a hero to others that's kind of cool that's i do i love that duality so
2: that's the kind of vibe i got when i actually was watching logan too is i was kind of thinking about uh it's doing the right thing and being a nice person are actually totally separate things yeah
1: it is isn't it they're entirely separate and to
2: see you could be nice but do the wrong thing or you can be an asshole, to do the right thing, like kind of like Logan is, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. playing with those ideas, I think, is really awesome. You know, I, th-
1: I think that's what makes Logan Wolverine so popular, right. is that he right. he's supposed to be one thing, but he's really another.
2: Right. And right.
1: you know, I, I it still bothers me the James Holland background. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Origin it, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I even the character I was telling you my own. I want to make the origin as vague as possible. I watch a lot of '60s television, old uh-huh. TV shows that I love that were influenced to me, and they didn't usually come out and give you the origin of the character until third season, way down the line.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes the character's origins, that you didn't have to know it. They would tell you some other character would tell you. About how you know how that person was, and you just picked the ball up from there and ran with it, and I kind of like that. But so, often I find once somebody starts an origin, it limits whatever the hell we knew of the character because all of a sudden we think we know everything. Now that we know he's got another name, we know he was a rich kid. He really wasn't this way; he was that way. Kind of like pisses on. Well, how did he become this guy? You know. Well, I want to have that kind of freedom of. Wondering how he became that, and not having an answer, because that's what's going to make me come back next week to find out more. So if I know too much, I don't want to come back. (laughs) I don't want to. You know, that's how I feel sometimes. Some of these things, but in this, it turned out great because you know he stayed. I love it how he paid. He paid. paid, uh, I'm talking about Logan now. How they uh, he can say he's James Howlett. But he's definitely Logan, you yeah, know? yeah sure Yeah. For whatever it matters, you know, wherever he was, it doesn't matter. It's where he is now, right, and right, even right. still has to be reminded of who he is. that's right. cool. that's yeah. cool,
2: yeah, yeah, his origin really ultimately is in that weapon X program, right? I
1: mean yeah, yeah, that's the origin yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had an argument once—not even an argument, because the guy was kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to have an argument with a dumb guy, you know what I mean? But uh, I, it was an exec who was trying to school me on something. And this is actually when we we're—this is what made us uh, create Captain Planet. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> was, man. Was, but anyway, he was going on about identities. He was going, "Yeah, Bruce Wayne is Batman." Yeah, Batman. I goes, "Dude, okay." Um, explain something to you. Bruce Wayne died in that alley
2: yeah yeah, yeah yeah he yeah.
1: stopped being yeah. Bruce Wayne when he saw his parents die once he got past the trauma of that, and he hasn't got that by the way, he didn't get past the trauma. Once the trauma happened, Bruce Wayne died with his parents. The entity that came out of that became the Batman. yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
1: calls himself Bruce, but Bruce Wayne, son of Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne, died. yeah, and this person came out who's always going to avenge their deaths. and in some ways, Avenge Bruce's death too, because that little boy had to learn from there on. That's an ugly world, yeah.
3: and he also
1: got it that Bruce couldn't survive that world. that's what he learned. All those things to kind of make himself into something powerful. So he's Batman to my mind, twenty four seven. In his yeah, yeah, mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, even we take the mask off, it's just well, Batman without the mask. He remember has to in, to in Batman Beyond.
2: There's that scene where there's a uh, there's mind control, there's a mind yeah. control villain or something, and he, he, he turns to Terry and he says, "I knew uh, I was being mind controlled because I was referring to myself as Bruce, in my head." And <laughs> Terry says, "Terry says, who do you usually <laughs> refer to yourself as?" And Bruce just looks at him. <laughs> That's a great scene. That's yeah, a great, yeah. I remember that. That was a show yeah. that I
1: didn't think was going to be that good. Yeah. Yeah. And it shocked the hell out of me how well it was. I it's met Darren great. Cook. Yeah, yeah, I met Darren Cook at the time, and I remember everybody was, um, he had just done the title sequence and it was going around, and it was like, "Man, holy!" You know, in other words, you knew this this humble guy. He was so humble. He was cool, and, and this imagination. If anybody was the heart and soul of Batman Beyond, it was him.
2: I mean, that show and, had um, totally new villains, a new yeah. hero. I mean, Joker did show up again, and Mister Freeze showed up again, but mostly fresh sci-fi vibe to it. Yeah, and it it could have been a flash in the pan type of thing, but it wasn't. There's a run going on right now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 surviving. It's It's, it's going on as a comic, I guess. Right? Yeah, I think it's part of
2: rebirth. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I think anyway. Yeah, yeah, they did a new they did
1: a new 52 one as well. Yeah, you guys know more about that than I do. I can't read that stuff. i feel bad it's like oh, yeah, convergence i convergence 52 man <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. i only read
0: i only read scott snyder's batman but i i went more towards like the swamp thing and animal man of the new 52 just because i like snyder and uh jeff yeah. lemire uh a lot so but it, some of those were good i didn't read like all everything that they released under the new
1: 52 but you like the old weird guys don't you i, mean, oh, I, you, love them, man. I want a swamp, I want a swamp
0: man. thing movie oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. I we, we want we do want one too. I yeah. I'll tell you the first time I saw Animal Man was way way back because I'm a little older, back when it first came out when Carmen yeah. Infantino was drawing him, um, and and I think it's either um, one of the science books they were doing It's was a it Strange Adventures or one of those other ones, and I thought it was cool. It was just so yes. weird. I always love the weird guys. They're Animal Man, Wanna Beast. Metamorpho, those dudes were yeah. so wild. They were just crazy, and I love that. And um, so, seeing that they brought those guys back, I, 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 again, it's like that's the thing. I guess I'll always be DC for life. I love the variety of the DC characters. They can be weird, they can be yeah. strange, and outrageously nuts. It's you know, just don't get so caught up in trying to sell us that they're real. Just have fun with them. Yeah, right. right, right, It's hard to know. It's just so to see that they brought Animal Man back instead of going. Oh, I don't want him always turning, kind of going outside the page to explain why he's Animal Man. I don't need that. You know, um, (laughs) I I just love the outrageousness of him that he could be. Yeah, he's he's in touch with animals and all that. That's cool. So, but no, Batman Beyond was wild. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: That's all right. Uh, If they did a movie uh, with both of them, that wouldn't be too bad of an idea. I feel like. I and think Wayne they can make a fit.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They
1: fit. If they, yeah, all...
0: if they do that Rot World run where it's like the, the villains are called the Rot and they kind of look like John Carpenter's oh, man, The I Thing think. creatures – yeah. And just like Swamp Thing has to come in and save the earth, and Animal Man's just there. You don't even have to explain that shit to me. I just watch it. <laughs> like, who are these guys? Swamp Thing, Animal? Call it something. I, just call it Raw World, and I'd be like, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, that's the, that's the spirit of a great story. I don't care if I just just do it. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Oh, now, cool. I'll, I'll pick it. I'll pick up the
0: story as the characters go. Like I'm sure I'll figure it out. I can read a comic before I watch it. Something you know i I feel like yeah go ahead go ahead i just feel like there's an overabundance of explanation in like comic book films now um i think when i saw dr strange it finally hit me i was like i don't really care you could have put this guy in the new guardians or in the new thor movie and i would have been like oh cool dr strange is in this that's awesome (laughs) like i didn't necessarily need a movie of him you know Uh, i just that's just the way i feel about like like just the way they're going right now and i know they're all setting up these big worlds but just throw me some guys in there, man. If Swamp Thing just shows up and fucking something, I'll just be like, oh, cool, Swamp Thing.
1: Actually, if DC wanted to really make JLA kind of really cool, if he did show up like that, because uh, oh, there's a JLA God. cartoon show now being done called JLA Action. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. And I just saw, uh, I, I did one of the episodes, but not a lot, and not enough to brag about. But uh, <laughs> they gave me some sample um, uh, um, boards. Um, I, I, I can't. Animatics, thank you. I haven't <laughs> had breakfast yet, so I'm a little <laughs> so, sorry, guys. Oh, guy here. Good. So, animatics <laughs> showing um, a great sequence with, and with, uh, it's probably animated now and already been broadcast, of uh, Solomon Grundy raising up these, these zombies, mm-hmm. and Grundy's now gonna, you know, run over the world with dead bodies. Who fights him? Swamp Thing.
2: Oh, shit. oh funny part yeah.
1: of is, <laughs> the funny part is, who's playing Swamp Thing? Mark oh, Hamill. <laughs> awesome. Oh, awesome. Oh, my God. Dude. So, so he's stopping, he's fighting Grundy up to a point and he can't, he's outnumbered. So he reaches into his leaves. Just the idea of saying he reaches into his leaves. Yeah, so right. He's got yeah. his JLA communicator. And I'm <laughs> cracking up for it. That's it. I'm going to go to Swap Thing. He goes, okay, if you ever need us, here's a communicator. Where are you going to put it? You're <laughs> gonna, dude, I'm going to i it in my so, stomach. will so, be all right. <laughs> you know? So,
0: Something just needs to say, I'll get to you because yeah. I've moved through the fucking yeah. ground. Pretty so <laughs> right, but
1: right, right. right. The idea that he had to call them, this cracks me up. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. The, the plant has to call the Justice League. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> and he does, they kick ass, and there's Mark doing the voice. And I'm sitting there going, See, this is against me. I miss that kind of craziness in the comics. That's the kind of stuff I wanted. When I took over to JL got on JLA, I wanted more of that. And we got other stuff, but I kind of wanted that stuff that I was reading. I wanted the Mike Sikowski crazy stuff, where you know the uh, the the, the, the um, oh the uh, the cards, the, um, the Royal Flesh Gang would show up, and oh. <laughs> I wanted, I so wanted to draw those dudes. And we didn't get that, <laughs> so you know, and and I miss that uh, the outrageousness. I don't need to have it explained. I'm, I'm with you. I don't need to have everything explained. And I think the audience is getting tired of that.
0: Yeah. True. you know that's i think what, they just that,
1: want to have a good time yeah
0: that's why i kind of enjoyed uh, the justice league dark animated film and mm. i've no, i haven't read that series but um i like the swamp thing just kind of they know he exists they know they need to go get him yeah and uh yeah. so he just he's there swamp thing they don't explain like necessarily who he is what his backstory is if it's based on this comic or that comic it's just like he's just one thing. He's there. He's always there. And I'm like, I love this so much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, it's like in my world, it's like you. I you can name a lot of people, and you may have not work them, work with them, but you know who they are. You know their reputation. And it works the same way. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I'm a superhero. Me sitting there going, there's no such thing as a plant that thinks he's a man. is ridiculous. He's got to know about Swamp Thing. You know? <laughs> right. you know, somebody talks about him somewhere, you know. He, Green Arrow runs his mouth at, you know. <laughs> he yeah, yeah, it right. But no, I think that's cool. That's why I like the show Flash. I think yeah. of all of the, of the CW superhero shows, the Flash consistently is a lot of fun. Yeah, they get yeah. outrageous. I was watching the Gorilla Grodd fight yeah. Uh, yeah. with him and Salivar, and I was going nuts and the 10 year old of me was screaming dude just vibrate through them, vibrate through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was bad enough that I knew that you know, yeah. and I have a friend who works for them who's also a big comic fan and he, he was on Facebook going I gave notes telling him to do that you know? <laughs> <laughs> we knew, you know flash is gonna sit there and play super he's gonna vibrate through you or something you know but yeah. it was great the TV guys are so behind they're still trying to catch on what we know they have right. no idea yeah. if you just do it right. you just do it. We fans, we viewers will enjoy it. You mm-hmm. know? What, if it's done cool, we'll go with it. That's you know? what
0: I liked about the Flash from like the get-go. There was all these references to these weird characters that I was like, they're gonna put Gorilla Grodd in this shit, like on oh, CW. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. this is never gonna work, right. ever. And then they do, it and, like King Shark's in it. And I'm like, how in the shark. fuck are they getting? I love, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, how do they get away with this? Kevin yeah.
2: Smith was like against all the CW shows, and then his friend was like, or maybe even Jason Mewes, he was like. King Shark is on this week and he was like, I'm gonna give this a watch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> him up up right there, he loved it? it, and now he's watched every episode and directed two episodes of it, and Supergirl and his, too.
1: Yeah, and his two episodes and t- uh, his one episode I've seen is still one of the best episodes done. Yeah, it's real yeah. good. He really it's did like a good a job. It's like a
2: quantum leap type of thing. Yeah, it's almost like yeah.
0: he should just direct one of these DC movies or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeez, well, you know, it, 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 yeah. it's a different beast, you know. I mean, yeah, you, know this you guys, you, you're in, you're in the pop culture. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a whole different thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the DC movie, I worry about them because they're so knee-jerk to what's going on instead of having this vision that Marvel has. Well, right. The Marvel vision comes from one guy, so yeah, it kind of helps, too. Um, right, right, right. Kevin Fahey is really strong about, I think it's Fahey, um, but Hi. he, thank you, It's um, he, he's really got a sense of how he wants these movies, and Marvel at DC's a little shaky, you know. Yeah, Zack Snyder the is the guy. Not, yeah.
2: Not totally there yet. Yeah.
0: They're and, missing, and they're missing the fun. Either. Yeah. Missing well, the, fun. That's a, the CW is just kind of embraced for the yeah. best, right. in my opinion. Yeah, like right, They're right, just right. like, let's have fun. I guess Arrow is probably the weakest show, but I thought Supergirl was a lot of fun, too. It is. And I'm glad that CW picked that up, it's especially
1: funny with because, all this crossover. and. Yeah, and it's funny because Arrow, to me, he wouldn't have had any of these if they didn't take a chance on Arrow.
4: Yeah, right. right and, but yeah.
1: Errol made one big mistake, and I think he fell in love with himself too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with, yeah, the, yeah. with the characters, rather. And it stopped kind of having I – mean, it, 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 honestly, what got me was their stunts. They did stunt work that was intricate in the, st- in the show, in the stories, yeah. that was above every other show I was seeing. You know, right. they had that one fight where he's on the on the freighter. Um, yeah. It's the big penultimate get-off-the-island show. And yeah. that was so well done, and it was so integrated in the story because uh, you just don't want to do stunts for, for stunt's sake. That's Agents of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> but if you do a stunt that really, like, you know, there's a reason he's Green Arrow, there's a reason why he has taken five years to train like this, right. and then show it, pay it off, then I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. But you don't have to mm-hmm. stop and whine about being, you know, alone. I get it. (laughs) Uh, Felicity, I get it. You know, she's hot. But, you know, you (laughs) gave up on it. Move on. You know? (laughs) I get it. But, you know, I think that's a mistake, is that they're kind of almost, like, trapped by their own reality. While Flash is, like going nuts you like,
0: know. i feel like they're killing they kill off too many people in arrow yeah. like they yeah, killed yeah. off count vertigo
1: yeah it's like
0: that's a cool villain and oh, uh, fun <laughs> and then uh jeff lemire made up uh the, komodo which made yeah. an appearance in like season two or something i think or maybe yeah. season. i can't remember Yeah. but i was like why'd you like and then it was just like that was it and i was like that's yeah. such a good villain and that run that he did with green arrow was really fun i was like you
1: shouldn't kill these people off they're great villains yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I mean it's like again these are the same guys that kind of helped spin off supergirl and help spin off flash but there's something happened there I think it's I don't know I, I feel like again is that they're so worried about trying to be real right. that they've yeah. and flash Flash's reverse has been no put the mask on let's go and I think yeah. that's, good. that's a right. good just run with it you know
2: lean into the silliness kind of like, yeah lean into the silliness don't be afraid of that I mean Grant Morrison, I've, in one of his interviews, he says that, you know, some comic book writers want to put superheroes into the real world, into our world, which works sometimes, but yeah. what he likes to do is, you got to take the reader to their world. Yes. The oh, comic yeah. book world. Why are you yeah. even picking up this comic book? You know, you want to go into yeah. their world. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's what the people at Flash CW are doing, you know? Right. You get right. to see all of that.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think if you're if you're smart, I mean, if if anybody's going to create a new superhero, because now we got X Men looming coming right. up. I haven't seen Legion, but everybody's going nuts about Legion. Oh, Legion's that's great; smart. it's really good. I'm I'm behind us. Too many damn shows. Yeah, <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> shows. Yeah. I mean, tonight I'm going Black Sales. That, that that's my uh-huh. that's my Game of Thrones. of Game of Thrones coming. Yeah, out. I like this uh-huh. show. So, but I'm like, it's just so many damn shows where everyone's like, Chuck, you got to watch Legion. was like, okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And, <laughs> uh, but there's so much. And, and the feeling is, you know, with the X-Men coming, whatever you do, just don't follow what they did in the movies. Create right. your own thing. Start from the comics again. Take right. off on it, you know. I mean, going back to my work on Wolverine, it's funny. I'm telling you more about Wolverine, the X-Men, <laughs> than I said I would. <laughs> I mean, the edict given to me was, of course, and it makes sense, but it to say it straight was, do not do X-Men Evolution. Absolutely not. I didn't want to. And I respect that show tremendously. But it was, it was really important to me that it create its own universe and have its own tropes. That's why I knew, okay, I got to shake this up. So... Cyclops goes in a coat. He's an outsider, and he's going right. to be where Wolverine was, and we've really got to up that ante, and we're bringing in the Sentinels, we're bringing in these guys, we're going to really we're really paying homage to the comics again, and forget, and just not even think about Brian Singer. I'm not even going to use the initials, you know. Yeah. Ah, no, no. But when uh, the only time I weakened was, you know, I don't who do Jackman, well, let's get you! you know, yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. But uh, to me, that's, that's the way to do it. You, you create... Uh, pretend that you're creating it for people who've never seen this before, but they have. But you almost again want to make them smile. You want to make right. them like when Flash became Flash and he put on the red suit, and the red suit wasn't as corny as the original red suit in the '90s. <laughs> yeah, I smiled. I felt good. I felt like wow, oh, yeah. you know. And you didn't. You, and it wasn't catering to me. You were playing with me. You're having fun with me. I want that for the X Men shows. I want them to have that same kind of. Um, spirit, right? Don't take yourself yeah. so awesome goddamn seriously.
0: <laughs> you know? it's like when Marvel released Agents of Shield. I was like, "Really? This is what you're gonna do? Like, yeah, just some yeah. agents? Like, and I think <laughs> like I the only season I, I've only watched half of the new one with Ghost Rider, just because I love Ghost Rider. And I was like, and then I stopped after that. Like those five episodes were done. I was like, I don't care about a robot cyborg taking on the agents. Like, where the fuck? What happened to Ghost Rider? Like <laughs> right. this is why this right. is why you read right. Marvel comics. You don't
1: read Marvel comics for the side dudes. Well, you I know, pick up Wolverine yeah,
0: for Wolverine.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know the funny part because if you want a better Shield show, they had Agent Carter and they, Agent Carter, and they screwed that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought Agent Carter was brilliant. It was, it was wonderful. Good. It was fun, and you know somehow. Hey, let's let's concentrate on Agents of Shield, which is really a snorfest for me. <laughs> and, yeah. um, yes. I mean, I, I'm with you. When, when Ghost Rider showed up, I couldn't watch the show because it kept pissing me off. Going, you're stopping the show and put these agents guys back in when he should have oh, just yeah. went on and spent off Ghost Rider. You know, oh no, Ghost, well, I, you know, I hope off.
0: Netflix or someone goes. Ghost Rider needs its own show because the guy that plays Robbie Reyes is great, and yeah. that was I don't know. It's probably the best ratings that show's probably
1: had in a while. Well, you never say never because you don't know what Netflix is up to. I mean, they, no, Netflix very, apparently very, can do anything. <laughs> they, well, I hope they don't get that attitude, but they do. Yes, they <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, The yeah. other side of it is is that let's see what happens with Iron Fist because there's so much. I think there's more negative going into Iron Fist than any other show they put out. Yeah, yeah I just, I just they, read a thing you know, about it before we yeah. did this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: 9% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's, that's, that's bad, man. That's bad. It's
1: not good. It's not yeah. good. You know, I always also err on the side of see it yourself. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, there's always going to be pondiffs going on about it. It's like when Westworld came out. And I'm a big Westworld fan for the movie. Just the movie. Not the TV series or anything. So yeah. I really had this feeling, ah, this is not going to. Now I look at it. It was a religious experience because it was so <laughs> smart. So well yeah. done. And I just had to blank out everybody else around it so i can just focus on it because i knew this was fun yeah it was what was really well done and still you know it's gonna be a great series i think um awesome. but you no know, it's hard it's hard because you have always going to have someone out there i'm hoping iron fist is going to surprise people i hope it's going to be fun i'm i'm doing everything i can not to look at because i i loved iron fist as a kid the comic so um um, yeah,
2: it's kind of it kind of sucks you know. for me because I was really looking forward to it, like a martial arts action. I know da- Daredevil had it a lot, but yeah, something of like Chinese mysticism, kung fu, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of this shit. And then it turns out this is possibly the worst one. Man, come on, yeah, dude, I'm fuck this yeah. one up, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. How can you? It's like, you, you guys are rolling so well, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, yeah. Luke Cage, Luke Cage spots, yeah. yeah. but still it was fun. And. Yeah how can you do this that's why I, I want to just think well maybe it's just you know disgruntled fans or disgruntled critics because they you know critics do get this thing of of having to justify themselves by being just nasty you Right, know. right right a happy but, critic isn't being read you, re, you read a mean critic <laughs> so you also get
0: a lot of critics that aren't necessarily into what they're reviewing yes because I, I see that a lot with horror films where like i'll watch one i'm like yeah it's not it's not great but it's not uh, two percent movie like yeah. come on guys yeah. like this is i like, got some cool cool ideas in it yeah i saw a, i know a cure for wellness didn't do that well but i thought it was pretty solid
1: um, i haven't seen but, it but i heard a lot of good stuff about it
0: yeah i liked it it has this weird kind of like i don't want to ruin anything because i think if i said this certain uh this certain sentence you'd be like oh really oh and i think i'd ruin it but it does kind of throw <laughs> back to maybe some of the older horror films a little bit so um so and i love uh, I, I enjoyed it but like yeah. Uh, it was like one of those things where I was like going in. I was like, "Well, I guess this movie's gonna be crappy, but it looks cool, so I'm gonna see it." Because I like to give my money to things that are getting shitty reviews but look kind of cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I just went in and saw it, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. But I feel like a lot of the reviews sometimes are just like maybe they're just tired of Netflix Marvel shows, you know? Uh, it's possibly, possibly,
2: possibly,
0: yeah,
1: possible. That's possible. It happens. You know, I see it with uh, on television a lot. Um, uh, you, you you were saying, Andrew, about you know you wanted to see a martial arts show. Uh, have yeah. you looked at this into the into the, um... Badlands? In the Badlands? Badlands. Thank you. I was going to yeah. say look, into the Outlands, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> into the Badlands. What do you think of that?
2: Uh, okay, so I've only seen like three or four episodes of it of the first season. I thought it was it was pretty good overall, but I, I'm just kind of weirded out a little bit by the. Um, it's got this like weird civil war vibe to it, like. Or... <laughs> antebellum type of thing and it's like yeah yeah, really need that part of it yeah i I like the fighting in it and i like the fact i like the fact that it's like a it's a big martial arts show on a big network and they're promoting that because we've kind of lost the popularity of that genre i think yeah Yeah, but you know ultimately i just feel like the the other elements kind of fall a little flat that world to me is a little it's just not my thing. I don't know why. I just... Something's kind of weird about it. And they're talking about like barons and the baron can only... And, and can date as many women as they want. And
4: It's a little <laughs> steampunky. You know? Yeah, it's the
1: yeah.
2: steampunk vibe that I don't really... Don't really like a whole lot personally. But I don't, how do you feel about
1: it? I'll let the other guys talk because I don't want to... I, mean, <laughs> I want to hear you guys. You go for
0: it. Is- I think they need to flesh out. Uh, they only had six... I think this... I'm really excited for the second season. Just because I feel like we're gonna get more character development, we're gonna see a little more going on. He's kind of out of this Baron's world now, so we're gonna get this whole new world that's gonna open up. Um, but I like the first season, but it's only six episodes. It's like, what can you do? Like when you're trying to set up a new world, uh, it's just it's hard to do. But I liked what I saw. Uh, I'm with. I, I really like the like kung fu in it. I thought it was done really well. The action scenes like were awesome for television. I was like, wow, they're getting away. It's pretty violent too. Yeah, I, I do not i do not like cg well. blood and cg blood kind of takes me out of it but i do like the <laughs> fact that they do add a little of it because it's just like it makes it a little a little harder it's like this is an adult show so yeah, um yeah, yeah and i like that amc is kind of taking out like amc could you know it's weird because it's like a, a PC, HBO almost sometimes because they like get away with so much yeah and i feel like more television series like i just started watching uh, animal kingdom on tnt and there's like there's like tons of boobs in that, like side boob action. And I'm like, holy fuck, Like this is like watching HBO. Like, what the fuck's up with TNT? <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I, I like that TV is like they're showing these like more hard R kind of shows later. And
1: yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: that's what I like about Into the Badlands. I also like the uh, the main dude that's cast in it, like Asian star. You don't see that a lot. Daniel you know, Lee. Um, Daniel um, so um, I like that. And uh, I like, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a fun
1: show. I'm very interested to see where the second season goes for sure. I feel the same way. I mean, I, 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 I share what everybody is saying, and yet I'm willing to give it a try, be- specifically because there's nothing else like that out there. That's true. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, Hoping yeah. it's going to get better. And compared to other shows, I thought were better and got pissed on, like um, Being Human. I thought was really a good show, and they just, you know, Fox kind of fucked on it, fucked it, yeah. and just, um, <laughs> and then here's AMC And you're right. I mean, Walking Dead's given them so much cachet to be more harder edge, and it's like, all right, good. Let's take advantage of that, and them going out there and going, okay, we're gonna do this weird show, and it's steampunking, it's not, it's kung fu, but it isn't. Yeah, we're gonna bring the antebellum stuff. That was actually cracking me up because it was like, all right, it's like. some, it's almost like, okay, I don't know what I'm putting in this ingredient. Oh, shit, put the spice <laughs> in anyway. <you> know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, and it can either fail or, or, or lose, but I think overall, I love the fact it's there. Yeah, and okay, I love yeah. the fact that they got an Asian star yeah. who, you know, uh, uh, he's a good actor, he's a good mm-hmm. fighter, he's good presence. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they would let him, un- you know, open up on him, let him be bad more badassery him—he is, but you know, don't don't whitewash like, him. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say.
0: Don't I feel like we're going to get a, a really good story from him since he's out from under like the whole baron yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And I know that like the one woman baron's still around, and like she, yeah. but she doesn't have like her land anymore. Yeah. So I don't. It just seems interesting that uh, just to see what they're going to do because it's going to be about his story getting to his wife and child.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and even if he, you know, and, and again, it's that thing where I, I, I don't want them to soften him. I want them to make him strong and keep him strong as a, as a main character and not dilute it with so many other. because they have that kid that he was raising. so it's, yes. yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that guy's not going to rise to take over the show. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's a good thing. And and the other side, the, the creakiness of it, I give it to, it's hard to, you're right, six episodes to tell um, something. Personally, I think that's the new um, matrix for shows if they really want to be smart. He's, he's trying to do 13 episodes 23 26 episodes or days are, are, are numbered only because yeah. we're seeing the C, uh, BBC Britain does this all the time with six episode shows. If yeah, you've yeah. never seen Luther if you've never seen uh, yeah. Luther's so you good. Know, oh, Luther so know Luther is insane uh, I tell, <laughs> um, Sherlock insane I look at that and go, oh my god they you know and it's a matter of the writing too it's very mature writing. sometimes they fuck up. But oh, yeah. it generally, I love the fact that they're limited because that really makes you—that forces you to become creative. You know, if you only got so much limitations, and you really, you know, you you really got to pull out your, your tricks, and that's that's what it should be about. You shouldn't have the luxury of of of, of thirteen half hours to tell this long, grandiose story. Right, right, right. Well, um,
0: that's what, uh, you know, some of my problem with like the CW shows is like you have all this filler crappy yeah. episodes yeah. and you have like 10, 12, 13 really great episodes. It's like, why do not you just focus on those 13? There you go. You know, it's like Arrow, I think would be a better show if they cut the season. <laughs> like if they had to get put get yeah. all the love story shit out, I mean, give him a love story. He'd be like, I don't care, but like, you know just like let's get some villains in there like get it down to the the yeah. the dirt man like
1: arrow definitely needs to, yeah exactly he needs to kill off the flashbacks right now yeah. because oh, yeah. oh my this god dude, flashback dude, I do not care is,
2: about those flashbacks on that is show. killing his own <laughs> is
1: killing his own mythology yeah. cuz now the flashbacks almost seem longer than the 5 years he's been there they should have <laughs> yeah been in the right? flashbacks
2: <laughs> as soon as he got off yeah. the island forget yeah. the Chinese segments yeah. All of that stuff when he goes to Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay, he's off the island. He's told your backstory. Boom, we are done. Forget. Yeah. I guess I could go on about this, but yeah, I just do not like those flashbacks. (laughs) I got
1: you. (laughs) And you're not the only one because they've always – it seems like each season they keep apologizing and less flashbacks. But no, we're saying no flashbacks now. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. not at all. We're done. We're done. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. Um, The other thing, I mean, uh, that I like about – I want to see more genre stuff come up where it's adult. And I think that's yeah. what I like about that. You're right about, you yeah. know, I mean, look, HBO, Showtime, uh, Encore are doing the stuff that HBO, I mean, they, they, I mean they're, setting, they're setting the bar. So Fox, yeah. the network shows, they have to climb up. They've got to find a way to compete with that. They've had shows that did, and they got screwed. Right, you right. know, um, I, I always bring up people go, you know, the steampunk can't work. Well, you know, you don't do it so like- literal, but if you, did you watch that Dracula show that NBC had? Uh, no. If uh, you yeah, haven't, well, take a look at it. It was okay. it was well done. It was, what was so fun is because when you realize what they were doing, it's kind of the stuff we're talking about. They were postulating a good guy Dracula without wow. it being so obvious. It's him coming up in, by the 1890s and realizing, uh, because he's a guy who's lived a couple hundred years, figured out that, well, you know, the future going to be a lot better than this and if i'm going to stay on top of my enemies now if i'm going to stay on top of the things that's going to come i got to be in front of the future so he masquerades as an american businessman almost like a thomas edison and he's pushing electronics electrical lights for a reason and um as well as the fact that he's still dracula there's a secret society that's coming after him that you think are the good guys and they're really fucked up <laughs> and, and then there's the dra- the vampires that started him. So you know, he got all of this. This isn't even the movie. This was the show. And it's set in this 1890s kind of period. And it was mm. pretty fun. It was really well done. I, I and, just I, sorry,
4: know, I, I just go looked ahead. at it and I I did watch the full seasons. I, oh, okay, I completely forgot about it. But yes, Johnny Ray My- uh, Myers is the Yeah, uh, John, really yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, I definitely enjoyed it.
1: I thought you know if it was on another network it probably would have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to me, it, was, it opened the door to Penny Dreadful. Yeah, Penny Dreadful so good. <laughs> it was so good. It pissed me off that they killed it off. You know, oh, it dude, was so yeah. good. And, but it was. I was also, like three seasons. Come on, I want like yeah. ten of these. Yeah, and the problem again. And I think the problem again was what we're saying. It was that they get to the point move on you know you have werewolves vampires zombies (laughs) dracula's coming okay let's move it (laughs) let's get it there you know you don't have to drag it so long i think that you're not giving the credit to your audience that they're enjoying it and and giving them what they want um you know i I felt like especially when i was hearing the creator going why i told her story he goes dude there was more than just her you know, you yeah. you introduce yeah. this cowboy werewolf. You know, you got you got you got you got you know his uh, Dracula popping up finally. Yeah, uh, you got you got other things. Frankenstein's monster story was well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good, so good. that was like my favorite stuff. part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the fate of the Bride of Frankenstein. Her story was wonderful. You know, yeah, it's like all right then. Have, you know, give give you know, pay some pay some tribute to that, uh, pay some respect to it. Maybe we don't need thirteen episodes; do it in six. You know, yeah, right. but I felt like they rushed. It. It's almost like they lost faith in their own thing, and that was sad. What was, because, the, what was the name of the show again? I'm sorry. Oh, Penny Dreadful.
2: Oh, Penny Dreadful. Yeah. yeah okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah it's Penny on Dreadful. Netflix. Just, all of it. And again, that was another one when you look at it and you go. Okay, you know, if I dissect this, it's got, it's got, it's got hammer horror. It's got, mm-hmm. it's got a little superhero, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen going on yeah, here. Yeah, you got these yeah. classic characters. Who else they gonna bring back? Ooh, Doctor was this got introduced. You know, and and it was fun. And then on the bottom, on the back side of it, it did have a steampunk element to it. And, I, and without it coming out and saying we're steampunk, and I think that's the only way steampunk can work these days because <laughs> it's just been done to death, or at least been the, the cliches have been done to death. I think any. Yeah. I feel like Neil Adams used to feel about superheroes. Neil's famous statement is, "There's no bad superheroes. It's how you treat them. It's how you approach them." Right, right, right. And yeah. I think that's with any property, any genre. They're not bad. It's just how you how they're written. Who's who's doing them? Yeah. And you know, we just and we, we got the CW shows. You got five, four CW shows. One of them is doing it really well. The other mm-hmm. one's stumbling along and kind of. Picking up after, and the show that everybody looks at as the as the flagship show is the one that's fucking up because it keeps apologizing for being a superhero <laughs> show. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, so lean in, man. It's funny. This is the kind of stuff when we create shows. You know, again, one of the things I've learned is once you have an idea and you run with it, you if you stop believing mm-hmm. in it, believe me, your audience is going to catch up really quick. They're going to mm-hmm. see that. So you got to believe right. in it you got to kind of come to the door. Like with Cool Apart, when it was first showed, told to me. I'm the one that gave it the, the tropes of it's being Lord of the Rings meets this because the, the person telling me at the time couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to do. Oh. And I'm looking at it going, well, if it was mine and you're telling me this, it sounds like this. So let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. And let's go. And that's what we did with the series. You know, and oh, I've nice. done that with Dead Space. And when I was doing Dead Space... Um, a little back history on the Dead Space movie. Um, it's no secret to say that if those in the know know that I took the script and threw it out. Because they, th- they wrote <laughs> an 80-page, it was a 100-something page big sci-fi thing. And I got to this one part where the heroes are being chased in a cornfield. This is on this giant spaceship, by the way. A cornfield. <laughs> Chased in the cornfield to get to these weapon lockers that somebody decided to put weapons in the middle of the cornfield on the uh, spaceship. Wow. Chased by these. And <laughs> I went, fuck we it. <laughs> you know, this is, is you no. Know, if we're going to be on the cornfield, why aren't we on the goddamn planet? One, who is going right? to put a weapons locker in the middle of a cornfield? <laughs> you yeah, know? No, why would you do that? There's no logic. It just, It was just outrageously silly. And it was yeah. them trying to be something they weren't. And it goes, you're not even embracing what this is. It's a haunted house of space. It's dark corridors. It's dark, you know, it's, it's shadows everywhere. Narrow, claustrophobia. That's what we need to do. It's like, I want you to come into this like these people, thinking their house is safe. And all of a sudden you turn off the lights and it's not safe anymore. You don't know where you are. You're, you're, that, that nice little corridor just became scarier because you can't see around it. Mm-hmm. That's what we got to do. And I want you to take half of this, throw it out the door. <laughs> and we're just gonna make this a straight on who's gonna survive at the end. How many interesting ways can we kill you? <laughs> Which is basically <laughs> when you watch the movie, we did. <laughs> we split a woman in half, we got this one guy, we had a naked guy killed in the shower, you <laughs> know. We went you know, I went to my mind, I went I told everyone we're doing Italian gualo. Oh yeah. we're just getting outrageous. I don't even care about logic. I just want outrageousness. The yeah. logic is in the fact that we are in danger and who's going to make it to the end.
3: Right. And
1: that, to me, was make, keeping it pure. Because we couldn't duplicate the game. The game is on its own thing. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, is that sometimes you just have to simplify and Just go with it. Yeah. And I think a lot of those shows get a little too complicated, almost too much into it. Like Arrow, it's, it's gotten so bloated with the love stories, backstories, yeah. origin stories. Da, 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 da. And it's like, dude, I just want to see a guy with an Arrow kick ass. Yeah, Bow yeah. and Arrow kick ass. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun.
2: It needs to simplify real quick. And they've had yeah. like a series low in ratings, too, in this past, like two or three episodes ago, they had their lowest ratings ever.
1: Yeah, it's I can so see why. They were really, yeah. they were drag. The whole Russian mafia thing made no sense. And if you're going to drag uh, Dolph Lundgren in, Good God, man, give him some fun shit to do.
3: Because yeah. he was
1: fun to watch, but it's like, man, he's trying to read the cookbook and have fun
3: with
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Dolph fucking Lundgren. Come on. Yeah, right, 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 right. You know, to my mind, he's still fun as the Punisher, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know? he's, he's just big and strong and spooky looking. Let's have some fun with him. But no, nah, they didn't. So, you know. But. Anyway, this has been a, this has been a, 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 a great pleasure. This um, has been so uh, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, I really appreciate you guys asking me on here. Yeah. I don't know if we're wrapping up or not, but it seems like we're two hours in. So Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I was just about to kind of head things in that direction. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, man, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Thank, thank you for you. your time. Yeah, this has been so, so awesome.
1: Yeah. This has been a pleasure, guys. I enjoyed you know, just, it. It's... It, it, as an artist, creator, you know, I'm a geek too, so it's kind of fun to geek out with. Yes, <laughs> it's totally.
2: awesome. Are you, know, you going to yeah. be at WonderCon?
1: I'm going to try to be. I'm supposed to be. But okay. Since I'm starting the show, I'm trying to figure out if I am or not. Uh, I, I'm going to know by next week.
2: I'll be there on that the Saturday for that con. So okay. uh, if you're there, definitely let's hang out again.
1: Absolutely. Just come <laughs> on by. You know, All right. you know, that's been, it's been a, a pleasure. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for thank walking you so me much. through this thing. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No problem at all.
2: No problem at all. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. All right. Man, we'll check right, you later. Thank you. For all right, you, see see you. Take care. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Hugh Jackman. I just wanted to thank you all for listening to Superhouse Podcast 60. I'm no longer playing the Wolverine, but I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what can I get you to drink? Uh, for starters? Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Superhouse. I'm just here to remind you guys to check out our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash superhousepodcast. And also we have an email. You can email us directly at superhousepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And we are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please check us out there. Thanks.